Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Opening night in the Ontario Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and the Q continue to play. The USHL, the NHL, the AJHL all raging on. And this weekend, the NCAA gets going as well. Busy, busy show. Welcome to the program, everybody. This is the Pipeline Show, and my name is Guy Flaming. The program you're listening to right now wouldn't be possible without the help of our title sponsor, that's Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky you've ever had. It's Alberta's best. Beef jerky, you don't make friends with salad, you make friends with delicious beef jerky. Two ways to get in touch with them. You can go to their locations, there's two, Leduc or Spruce Grove, Alberta, or you can contact them with a good old-fashioned phone call. And if you're in Western Canada, it's worth the effort because they will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, get in contact with Trent or Trevor, and they will set you up with the most delicious beef jerky you have ever had, and let them know that I sent you. Let's get right to it, as it's a busy show this week with uh, the NCAA preview. Uh, The question of the week I put up was, in accordance to the start of the NCAA season, who's going to win each of the six conferences? Uh, Of course, you got Atlantic, Big Ten, the CCHA, the ECAC, Hockey East, and the NCHC. And a bonus question, who's your uh, preseason pick for the Hobie Baker Award? Got a few responses. Uh, Canuck19 has given me... RIT to win the Atlantic, Michigan to take the Big Ten, Lake Superior for the CCHA, Quinnipiac for the ECAC, Massachusetts on top of Hockey East and St. Cloud State to get the NCHC, and uh, Thomas Bordelow of the Michigan Wolverines is his uh, prediction for the Hobie. Uh, Ryan from uh, McKean's, who you've heard here on the show, Ryan Wagman, he's got Sacred Heart. For the Atlantic, then Minnesota, the Golden Gophers for the Big Ten. Minnesota State with the CCHA crown. Harvard to be top dog in the ECAC, followed by uh, Providence in Hockey East. And North Dakota on top in the NCAC. And he's got Samuel Walker from those Minnesota Golden Gophers as his uh, pick for the Hobie. You can take part as well at TPS underscore Gee is where you find that question. And me on Twitter. Let's get right to the news and notes. Uh, We'll start in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Very interesting. Over the weekend or earlier this week, the Prince Albert Raiders announced on Twitter 
they uh, they showed pictures of it and everything. They're they're going to bring back their retro jerseys with the Arabian Night uh, pictured cartoonishly on the front of the jersey. I think most people have seen the jersey before. Think of Mike Medano. It's the one that he wore while he was a member of the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, but what uh, used to work in uh, 1980 doesn't work in 2021. And less than, it might have been 24 hours later, the outrage had grown so venomous on Twitter and social media that uh, the league stepped in and said, you know what, no, we're not doing it. And uh, so there, the Raiders will not uh, be bringing back their old retro uniforms. Uh, Ridley Gregg back from the Ottawa Senators, and uh, he has been named the captain of the Brandon Weekings. The opening week of uh, hockey is uh, finished now in the WHL. Three members of the Winnipeg Ice leading the way in scoring. Mikey Milne with seven points, Owen Peterson with six, and Connor Geeky, uh, one of a number of players, with five points. The Winnipeg Ice... Well, they got the Brandon Weekings on opening weekend for a home-and-home, and and the Weekings were really short of players. And uh, the ice took full advantage of that. They thumped uh, Brandon to the tune. I think it was 17-3 to over the course of the two games. Uh, Yeah, it was was pretty ugly. Uh, But the Weekings, they they get Greg back, and uh, neither one of their two imports had arrived yet at that point. So even though the WHL camp started later this year, with the NHL starting much later, uh, it means a lot of the players aren't back yet with their junior teams. Uh, two teams right now in the WHL are a perfect, have a perfect record. Uh, that would be the Winnipeg Ice, who are 3-0, and and the Tri-City Americans. I think that's a bit of a surprise for some people. They're off to a 2-0 and start. Shifting gears to the Ontario Hockey League, which uh, started last night with three games. There was a hat-trick as well. Matvey Petrov uh, led the North Bay Battalion to a 7-4 victory over the Peterborough Peets. The Battalion were playing at home, and uh, Petrov with a hat-trick. There were three hat-tricks on opening night in the Western Hockey League, just the one, although there were only three games on uh, opening night in the OHL. Uh, The other games, Niagara beats the Barry Colts, that one in Barry, 4-1 the final there. Tucker Tynan in net uh, for the Ice Dogs, and Sarnia doubled up the Windsor Spitfires by a score of 6-3. That one also the road team getting the victory in that contest. Full slate of games in the OHL this weekend. Uh, in the queue, we'll quickly look at the uh, leading scorer there is Miguel Tourne from the BB Armada. He has seven points, but uh, Justin Robida is the top goal scorer in the league. He has four goals for Valdor after just two games. A look at the standings in the queue. There are five teams uh, that are uh, still undefeated. The BB Armada with a 3-0 record. Victoriaville and Valdor both 2-0, as are Acadie Bathurst and the Charlottetown Islanders. There are a number of teams who uh, do not have a win yet. Three teams don't have a single point. Sherbrooke, Moncton, and the Memorial Cup hosting St. John Sea Dogs. They look to get their first win this weekend as they, uh, they are taking on uh, Bathurst tonight, but Bathurst is the what, team with a, a perfect record, so something's got to... Well, does something have to give? I guess if Bathurst wins, then nothing changes. Moving to the Alberta Junior Hockey League. In the north standings, it's Drayton Valley on top of the league right now with 12 points. Bonneville and Spruce Grove just a point back, and Fort Mac and Whitecourt are two points back from Drayton Valley. That's in the north. In the south, Brooks has a record of 6-1 and one for 12 points. Drumheller hot on their heels with 11 points. And the Camrose Kodiaks are there as well in the mix with 10 points. And a 5-2 and two record. 
Cristiano Aiello from the White Court Wolverines is the top scorer in the league right now with 16 points. Caden Golt with the, the Spruce Grove Saints. He's got nine goals in just eight games. South of the border in the USHL. I just pulled up the standings. I hadn't actually looked at these ahead of time, but the Chicago Steel sitting in first place in the Eastern Conference, and I guess first place overall, not really a surprise there either. They have uh, a 3-0-1 record. I guess if you're going by a winning percentage, then Des Moines and Tri-City, because they are perfect at 3-0, both of them, uh, they would be ahead of Chicago. But it is very early. Every team in the league has a win to their credit, except Muskegon. The Lumberjacks are 0-1-1-1. It's a three-way tie atop the uh, scoring race in the USHL. Adam Fantilli from Chicago. Adam Ingram from Youngstown. And Scott Truman of the Des Moines Buccaneers. All three of those guys with six points. Remember last week I had uh, the head coach of the Amarillo Wranglers on the show because uh, they were the hottest team to start the North American Hockey League season. Uh, I might have been the curse. They've, they dropped their next two games. So sorry about that, uh, Harry Mahood, Coach Harry Mahood. They do still have the uh, league's top scorer, though, as uh, Chris Stapps scratched in. Although he didn't get any points in the last two outings, he still got 14 points in eight games. The top two teams now in the null are uh, Fairbanks and Springfield. They're both holding a 750 winning percentage. And so are the New Mexico Ice Wolves. They've only played four games, so everybody else in their division has played at least six. Three teams have played eight, so I'm not sure what's happening with New Mexico. I'll just give you what's on tap in the NCAA for this weekend as uh, this entire episode of the Pipeline Show is dedicated to college hockey. But it started last night. Providence, a 5-2 win at home over Merrimack. Full slate of games this weekend. Uh, really quickly, RIT is playing Army. Northern Michigan welcomes St. Thomas. BU is on the road in Connecticut. The Icebreaker, which takes place in Worcester, which takes place in uh, Massachusetts, sees Boston College playing Quinnipiac and Holy Cross taking on Northeastern. The next day they change up dance partners. Northeastern will play Quinnipiac and uh, Boston College will get Holy Cross. Other games this weekend, non-conference matchups, all of these, but Air Force is playing Michigan State, Wisconsin, hosting Michigan Tech. Mercyhurst goes to Minnesota to play the Golden Gophers. RPI is at home to Bowling Green. New Hampshire welcomes Union, Arizona State, on the road in Denver to play the Pioneers. Canisius taking on Penn State. Ferris State goes to Western Michigan. Bentley at home to Ohio State. Colgate goes to Vermont. St. Cloud State is in Minnesota State. Niagara on the road in the Ralph at uh, North Dakota. Bemidji State will host Minnesota Duluth. Clarkson up in Alaska. Omaha welcomes Maine. Lake Superior takes on Michigan and St. Lawrence, who play in the new rink at Colorado College. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, and I just saw that Troubled Monk was putting out some more seasonals of well, there's a few. There's a couple of new ones. There's the Triple Dog Dare Triple IPA, and the write-up on that goes like this. We know you never back down when a warning says, don't try this at home. There's a good chance you've already done it. It's honestly getting a bit out of hand, but we respect the dedication. This Triple IPA is all about that dedication, so we made it in collaboration with Dog Island Brewing because it takes all the power we have to make a Triple Dog Dare for the person who never backs down. So a team-up between Troubled Monk and Dog Island Brewing. Interesting. They also have another one in a nice bright yellow can. It's called This Shit is Bananas Hefeweizen. It's a beer style from Bavaria, but this time it was made 
right here in Alberta in Red Deer. This beer is bananas. Sounds crazy enough to be delicious. You can get those, and you can get them delivered right to your door. Here's what you do. You go to troubledmonk.com slash shop, and when you enter your promo code, you use Pipeline. And then that order will come right to your door absolutely free. Now, the only caveat is you got to live in Alberta between Calgary and St. Albert, and that includes Sherwood Park, Edmonton, everything down Highway 2, and a few of the, the towns just off uh, of Highway 2, like Sylvan Lake and Pinoka, things like that. But what's better than home delivery for free? You can get set for this weekend. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your house to do it. Troubledmonk.com slash shop. Just remember to use promo code PIPELINE. It's craft beverages worth sharing. Now, here is the guest list for today's show. I have five guests, but we're going to tackle all six conferences. We're going to begin with the NCHC Brad Elliott Schlossman. You've heard him here on the program many times in the past, but he gets a setup for the NCHC. Then we go to another guy that you've heard on the program for Man, well over a decade now. That's Jimmy Conley from USCHO. He's going to tee up Hockey East for us. Then three newcomers, Anthony Trevalia from College Hockey News. He's going to handle both the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey. We go back to USCHO. This is Drew Clausen's debut. He covers the Big Ten for that publication and uh, will be our guest to set the stage for us. And we will end things off with the ECAC, Josh Sagan, who... Uh, writes for College Hockey News. He's going to pull back the curtain and tell us everything we need to know about the ECAC conference for this coming season. So we've got an absolutely loaded show. I've been talking for a while already. Let's get to the hockey. It's the College Hockey Season Preview here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Brad Schlossman's up first, and he's coming up next. Adam Fantilli. Spins a pass though. Samuel Scavage up high scores. The Sting ran over time up high. Pierces one by Corpy and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three. Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy-drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. It's the cheapest drug there is. We are back on The Pipeline Show. We begin this week's uh, episode as we're going to preview NCAA College Hockey Division 1. We're going through each conference, or just about each conference. I think we're uh, going to be short one, but... Uh, we're going to start in the NCHC, and of course, all the college hockey segments on this show brought to you by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, then get in contact with uh, College Hockey, Inc. I was going to say Nate Ewell at College Hockey, Inc., but he's moving on. 
just got a new NHL gig with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. But Mike Snee's still there, and we'll see who replaces Nate. But uh, great resource at College Hockey Inc., and they will uh, answer any of the questions that you might have. Uh, we start in the NCHC, which obviously means we're going to Grand Forks, and Brad L.H. Lossman from the Grand Forks Herald is back on the show. Brad, it's been a while. How are things? Yeah, it's uh, it's going well. Things are a little bit more normal uh, this time compared to la- this time last year. Yeah. I remember this time last year, we were wondering, are they going to have a season? If so, what's it going to look like? Um, well, they're having a season this year, and it's going to look a lot more normal than last year's. Well, as we're speaking right now, it's Monday. This episode won't come out publicly until Friday. or uh, There'll be early access for uh, some subscribers, but the uh, the Fighting Hawks just played an exhibition game on the weekend, and you were telling me they had almost 11,000 fans in the building? Yeah, they had 11,812. Wow. Uh, that, that, that's uh, tickets sold. Um, so, you know, sometimes the exhibition, not everyone uses their tickets, but this was probably both, this was definitely the largest crowd, um, for tickets sold for an exhibition game in the history of UND hockey. Um, and just by the eye test, looking at how many people showed up, I'm guessing it was the largest crowd that had ever come, uh, to watch an exhibition game too. So, uh, I think. For me personally, I was wondering, are fans going to come back after yeah. the pandemic? Did they get used to sitting at home, watching it on TV? Um, uh, are are they content with doing that? Or are they, you know, I thought they were going to have work to do to get them out. Well, it appears fans are ready to get out because uh, it was a great crowd out there Saturday night. Yeah, you were telling me no capacity limits or and no mask mandate anymore. So I was wondering, would fans be, would some fans maybe be a little hesitant to, you know, get back to normal a little too quickly, but certainly doesn't sound like it. That's definitely a, that was a, a, a question of mine too. Um, clearly last spring when they started allowing fans, they were at 3000 capacity um, in the spring. And of course, UND had that buzzsaw of a team and they weren't even selling the 3000 right away. Hmm. So fans definitely were hesitant coming out. Um, it, it appears to me that the vaccines maybe have changed that. And that now people who are vaccinated are feel more comfortable going out. So uh, definitely interesting uh, thing to follow. Well, let's jump right into the uh, the conference and, and we'll see which team you think is uh, the team to beat this year. And my automatic thought was, well, it's got to be St. Cloud, their national champion runner up. They returned pretty much everybody from that team from last year. But then when I see your top 20, they aren't the number one team. And in fact, uh, they're not the number one team overall. It's uh, it's Denver that's the number one team overall. So how big of a difference between those two clubs in your mind and, and why Denver the top club? Well, you know, I always like to spice it up a little bit <laughs> uh, and, and have some interesting rankings here. But no, I, I really think Denver uh, is going to be really good. And I've got a, a few things. Uh, n- number one, um, yeah, St. Cloud State, I, I, I kind of think those are the top two. I, I think there's a little bit of a split after those two. Um, St. Cloud State brings almost everyone back. They're they're a really good team. Uh, they've got a lot of depth uh, at every position. Uh, goaltending, you know, I think both those teams have some question marks in goaltending. Um, and so, uh, but, you know, Denver, I like their high end. When you look at their top two lines, I think they have two legit scoring lines. You know, you, you look at, they got Carter Savoy back, Bobby Brink, um, Cole Gutman, Brett Stapley. Uh, those guys, all four of those guys, I think, are legit top six forwards. 
Then they get Bowling Green transfer Cameron Wright, who has 100 points. Mm. You bring in Carter Mazur, uh, who I think can, can jump into that role. And you've got two really good scoring lines. You you go to their uh, fourth line. You've got a guy uh, like Connor Capone is going to bring a physical element. Ryan Barrow might be the fastest skating forward in the league. Um, and, and he plays with an edge. So, you know, I, I just like their makeup there. Uh, the the one question I have for them is their back end. They have they have skill, you know. Sean Barons, uh, Shai Buyam, uh, you know Mike Benning and uh, Antti Tuomisto, all NHL draft picks. But they're young. They're all freshmen or sophomores. Am I, are, are are they too young to to really be the number one team in the country? We'll find out there. Um, and, and I think St. Cloud, you know, is is going to be right there too. I I think those two. And, and the last thing I'll add is last year before the year, a lot of teams had really different buildups to the season. Denver, uh, you know, per campus in COVID rules, the largest group they could have for practice when they started, uh, they had to be under 10. So they split up into three different groups. Huh. Um, a month in, all of a sudden, Devin Cooley, their, one of their goalies, signs with Nashville. So one of their three groups that's practicing doesn't even have a goalie on the ice. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they get down to two and one. Once they get into the full group for the first time, they have a COVID outbreak, and they have to shut it down. Then they go to the pod. They win three of their first 11 games. And I think we're all thinking, what's wrong with Denver? Well, they didn't exactly have the same preseason that other teams had. Right. So, um, and, and the same was with Western Michigan, who I think is going to be really good. They were practice. They had Western Michigan was in seven different locker rooms. They had four guys in each locker room as they were getting ready for the season. Wow. The very first time they were in the same locker room was at the pod in the NCHC the day before they played their first game. That's the first time they were in the same locker room. Uh, they won like two of their first 12 games. And so, you know, uh, they, they obviously had some other situations. Brandon Bussey was their goaltender. He got hurt the first period of the year and their goaltending was bad in the pod. Um, so there were other factors too, but I also think, Hey, those teams had bizarre lead ups to the season. Of course they struck, they struggled at the start and they came around a little bit at the end. So um, I factored that in too with my rankings that, um, you know, yes, they weren't as good as we thought they were going to be last year, but there might've been a reason for that. No kidding. The way you describe it, that's, that's a chaotic start to the season. That's not just, <laughs> yeah. you know, some minor hurdles to clear. That's, that's some massive, uh, uh, obstacles yeah. to get ready. So, all right, well, we'll watch to see if all three of those, uh, or those teams that had to, to, uh, practice apart yeah. like that. See if it changes things this year. All right. So we got Denver and St. Cloud at the top. Did you say who your number three team is in the conference? Yeah, I, I've got Western Michigan there. So okay. I, I really think three through six are, a, you can, you know, throw the dice, right? right. Like I think those, the, th- those four teams are all really close. I put Western Michigan third. Um, you know, I really like Bussy and Nett. I think that's something that's held them back in recent years. They haven't had goaltending. Uh, last year, leading up to the year, Brandon Bussey was so good in practice that the, the associate coach, Pat Frischweiler, who's now the head coach, um, he went to Andy Murray and said, we need to recruit a goalie for next year. Um, Bussey is 
going to sign after this year. He looks that good. Wow. So they, they really like him. Um, up front, they've got some fifth-year seniors back. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, by the way, who are listening, uh, the NCAA ruled that last year does not count against anybody's eligibility. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, if you were a senior last year, you can come back if the team can find you know room for you. Um, but of course, you know Western Michigan is going to find room for uh, Paul Washi and Ethan Frank and uh, Josh Pesalt and some of these really good players. So all of a sudden, these seniors come back. And they're an older team. You know, Ronnie Adderd is a star on the blue line. Um, there are other guys on the blue line I think are solid. They're not spectacular, but they're solid. And, you know, I, I just think up front they're old veteran and they're going to be tough to handle. And at the end of last year, that, that was one of the teams that had the, the, the COVID struggles at the start of the year. They ended the season 8-4-1. and one. They swept Minnesota Duluth. They swept St. Cloud State, both teams who went to the Frozen Four in the second half. So this team was really good in the second half. All right, it's going to be a team to watch for. You're the thing about the the over or not the overage guys, but the uh, the seniors come, getting to come back for a second senior season makes me always makes me think of Dylan Simpson, who told me, "Man, if if <laughs> never wanted to leave early and would have played a fifth year, except they wouldn't let him." Uh, this would have been perfect yeah. for him. Oh, well. Absolutely. All right, so after Western Michigan in, in the number three spot, uh, four, five, and six, pretty interchangeable in your mind. Who are those clubs? Uh, I've got North Dakota at four. Um, I, I think in college hockey, sometimes a really good barometer on how good a team is going to be is you look at their D. And you, North Dakota lost eight guys to NHL deals from last year. Almost one-fourth of all college hockey's NHL signings were North Dakota guys. Wow, that's amazing. So nobody had the losses that they did. Um, so they have a massive they, – they lost their top two lines, essentially. Um, they kept one guy in their top two lines. They lost their top three centers. Uh, they lost their top defensive pairing, which was Jacob Bernard-Docker uh, and Matt Kierstad. Mm-hmm. They lost – both their goalies, you know, their starter, Adam Scheel, signed with Dallas. Um, by the way, when you go through the top two lines, you know, Jordan Kawaguchi signed with Dallas, Colin Adams with the Islanders, um, Grant Mismash with the Predators, Shane Pinto, the MVP of the league with Ottawa, Jasper Weatherby with San Jose. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, you're just going up. So they have massive amounts of talent. So you're probably saying, how in the world do you have them top four losing that much? Well, they're still pretty good on D. Um you know, they bring back Jake Sanderson and he might be the best player I've covered in my time at North Dakota. Wow. That's here. And, and I covered Taves and Oshi. So, um, that may be a hot take or bold statement, but he is, he's unbelievable. And, you know, when you start with the best player in the league, maybe the best player in the country, that's a good place to start, especially a guy who can play almost half the game. Uh, you know, Ethan Frisch is back on D with him. Uh, you've got Tyler Clevin and Chris Jandrick, who are transferred from Fairbanks. And I think that's a really, really good top four. That might be the best top four in the NCHC. So that's why I think they have the potential to be pretty good, even though they lost all those guys. And, and Sanderson's going to win them games, you know, single-handedly. We saw that Saturday night. It, the score is 1-1. One, one. 
Jake Sanderson makes a play nobody else can make. He picks up the puck behind his own net, powers through a guy, skates it all the way to the top of the other crease and scores. You know, nobody else can do that. And UND won because of it. So, um, and, and up front, the other big thing, a lot of the transfers, North Dakota got a couple of transfers that I think are going to add a little bit to their offense. Connor Ford from Bowling Green and Ashton Calder from Lake Superior State. So those are two pretty good guys to add. That's a uh, high praise, uh, Jake Sanderson, the best uh, player you've yeah. you've covered at North Dakota. You mentioned Taves yeah. and Oshie, and of course we mentioned Dylan Simpson already. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like yep. to give him the gears, but I can. All right, after North Dakota, your five and six teams. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got Omaha five. I, I think uh, Omaha's a, they basically have their entire team back uh, up front. They were second in the NCHC in the offense last year to North Dakota. They're gonna score. They brought all those guys back. They added Brandon McManus from Minnesota, who had 25 points there last year. They brought in Cameron Berg from the uh, USHL, who scored 27 goals there. Offensively, they're they're going to score. Uh, they've got Isaiah Seville and that. He's excellent. Their back end is a little bit the concern. They were really a running gun team last year. Um, you know, they might score four goals, but they might give up five or six, hmm. you know. Uh, they, they were going to play entertaining. Uh, if they can tighten it up a little bit defensively, I think uh, they have a chance to be, you know, they, they can finish in the top half of the league. Absolutely. Uh, if they tighten it up defensively. Number six, I have Minnesota Duluth. Um, seems weird picking them that low. Uh, but, uh, you know, I question where's the offense going to come from a little bit. Uh, on the back end, they did not have a lot of point producers. Wyatt Kaiser is a pretty good offensive defensemen but their other defensemen are very defensive minded and they had some forwards that really drove the bus offensively last year Cole Kepke he signed with uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, Jackson Cates he signed with the Flyers uh, Nick Swaney signed with the Wild so now you take their top three forwards out of their lineup and you wonder where the you know they, they got some guys I think can score a little bit yeah but for a team that already struggled a little bit scoring, and now you take out their three best guys and their freshmen, I don't think are going to score a whole lot. I, I think they're going to have some nights where they just, it doesn't go in for them. It's got to be a big year for a guy like Noah Cates. He's going to be counted on Quinn Olson. And even yeah. like Blake Biondi came in last year, there was a bit of buzz about him and didn't really have that freshman season. I think even he would say he hoped for. I, I think that's, that's their team. That That's, uh, what their team is going to depend on. They need Blake Biondi. They need Quinn Olson. They ne- need Luke Lowheit. If those guys start producing and take steps, this team could finish in the top half. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I-, I think that's where I'm going to look. Because I know Noah Cates is going to be good. I know Casey Gilling, the Miami transfer, is going to be good. And Kobe Bender and Kobe Roth are going to be decent. But they need a little bit more. And if those guys can take steps, they're, they could be a top-half team. If they don't, offense is going to be a problem. Goaltending pretty solid, though, for them. you got to look at both of them in that uh, marathon game in the in the NCAA tournament yeah. last year. I, I like both their, goaltender, bo- both their goaltenders. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, Zach Stasko looks really good. Ryan Fanti was reliable last year, too. Um, I don't think goaltending will be a problem. I, I don't think defending will be a problem. Uh, I, I think the question is, are they going to have those nights where, you know, you know, they get 30 shots and score once and lose two to one. Mm. Uh, I think they'll have a couple of those. 
And I think the league is going to be really good this year. I think that's in another year, maybe this Duluth team can, uh, I would pick them a little bit higher. I still have them, I think, in the top 15 in the nation, by the way. So <laughs> I have them sixth in the league. I, I think the league's going to be really good this year. Wow. Six NCHC teams in your top 20. Wow. Uh, that leaves Miami and Colorado College. I know there's buzz for the Tigers because they got a brand new rink, but uh, it, that might uh, be all the happiness on campus this year. Yeah, you know, it'll be great uh, to have uh, the brand new rink on campus there. They got a new coaching staff that uh, I, I think has a history of recruiting really well. Um, you know, Chris Mayotte is the new head coach there. Everyone is looking at Michigan right now and seeing all these first-round picks. Well, guess who's been there the last two years recruiting? Yeah. Chris Mayotte. Um, you know, he was at Providence before then, and, and we know what they did recruiting wise too. Right? right. So he can recruit and, you know, he, you know, they, they got uh, Mark Stewart back there as an assistant, Peter Menino, uh, another guy that pounds the pavement recruiting. And so uh, they'll get there. It's going to take time though. It's, it's not a snap your fingers thing there. Uh, they, they need some time. They had an interesting off-season strategy where when they went after guys in the transfer portal, they only went after guys who had three-plus years of eligibility left. He's not looking for a quick fix in patches. He's looking to change the program, and that's going to take time. And so uh, it's not going to happen this year, uh, but it, they're already to work in recruiting. They're already getting some really good players. Uh, it, it will come, just not this year. They got a guy from Hawaii on that roster. Played in Miami before, but Brian Hawkinson. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I don't know if I've ever noticed that before. Yeah, Brian Hawkinson's there. That's uh, that's pretty unique. They, uh, yeah, I, they're they're just they they don't have the offense to to compete uh, to you know I shouldn't say not to compete, but they they just don't have the offense. Uh, they have some nice people. Dominic Bassey and that. Yep. I like Bassey. I thought he played great last year. Um, so uh, I, I think they have some young guys that they can grow with. They're, they're, I think they're the only team in the league that doesn't have a fifth-year senior. Maybe Miami doesn't either. Um, so, yeah, they're they're definitely looking at the future. All right, but in general, long season ahead for Colorado College and Miami then. So the Red Hawks, you're not expecting a whole lot from either? No, I, I actually have Miami at seven and CC okay. eight. Uh, okay. Miami went big in the transfer portal, and I think they got some pretty good players. I, 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 re I really like what they did in the portal. Uh, I, I think it is going to give them a boost. Uh, they've got, you know, Will Cullen coming over from Bowling Green. Um, you know, they've, they've got, to, you know, Michael Regush coming from uh, Cornell. I think he's going to add a little bit for them offensively. Um, I, I think those transfers are, are going to be big for them, and uh, I, I think they're going to pick off some some wins here and there. And they've got some good goaltending too. Um, you know, they've you know, last year Ludwig Pearson was very good for them in that. Uh, they, they picked up a transfer Logan Neat in the old uh, the Winnipeg Jets draft pick, and so I, I I think they're going to be a team that picks off some wins here and there. I don't see them getting higher than seventh, but I, I think they'll be better than CC this year. How many teams from the NCHC get into the national championship uh, tournament? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I, I would I would venture to say five. Uh, the league has gotten six in before, but that's happened, what, one time in uh, eight years? So yeah. I don't think, you know, predicting six is a uh, odds-on smart move. 
I think the average has been four. So that would be the, the, the smarter move. However, I, I do think the league is a little bit better, dare I say, than some of the past years or deeper. So I, I'm going to go with five this year. And you already talked a lot about Jake Sanderson. If I asked you for a Hobie Baker uh, candidate uh, out of the NCHC, I'm guessing he comes to mind. For sure. I, I think he's, you know, he's dominant. He, he's great defensively. Uh, everyone's talked about that for years. And, and I think this year people are going to see what he can do offensively. He's, uh, he's an unbelievable skater. He's got so much skill. Uh, and he can really dominate when he wants to. And, you know, I, I thought last year, the first half of last year, he, you know, he was a freshman and he kind of played within himself and played a little safe, so to speak. And there were times when he would like skate through the neutral zone, he would gain the blue line and you just kind of dump it off to the forwards. And I remember thinking like, you know, Jake, you could have skated that to the top of the crease if you wanted to. Hmm. <laughs> and, um, it seemed to me that in the second, in the other thing, UND was ahead all the time last year. They were pretty dominant. So on that type of team, you just don't want to make a mistake, right? You're, you're leading, you're going to win. Just don't, you don't need to do too much. Well, there was a game in February where they were losing by two goals in the third period to Omaha. And this, it was like a switch turned on. They needed a goal and Sanderson absolutely dominated it was one of the most dominant performances i had seen by a defender um just skated around everyone creating chances and i thought that was the game where the light bulb went on for him where it was wow i can do this at this level because the rest of the year he did that he was so dominant and you know und had two defensemen that played in the nhl last year after their season ended matt kirsten and jacob bernard docker yeah and Sanderson was so much better than even those guys at the end of the year. It, he was scary good. And so I think he's the guy to watch. I also think St. Cloud State's gonna, and Denver are going to score a lot. Who's going to be the guy from those teams that puts up the points? It could be a bunch of guys. I think VT Mietnin from St. Cloud State is going to put up a bunch. Um, you know, Denver could be, could it, is it going to be Bobby Brink? Is it going to be Cole Gutman? Which guy's going to rack up the stats? Because it's a stat-driven award. And I, I think those two teams, just because their numbers are going to be good, they're going to win a lot. Um, you may see a Hobie finalist out of uh, one of those teams. Outstanding. Lots to look forward to, that's for sure. Brad, as always, uh, an NCHC preview without you wouldn't be the same. So I appreciate you making the time, man. Absolutely. Always fun to chat. That's Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald in, obviously, Grand Forks, North Dakota, covering the fighting, almost said fighting Sioux, fighting Hawks and college hockey in general. Always a great guest when he's on the program. He is uh, considered one of the top uh, beat reporters covering uh, collegiate hockey in the United States. Uh, and, man, the NCHC is, it's... I think it's kind of my favorite conference just because there's always exciting matchups every weekend. It's a very, very deep conference. Uh, it's only eight teams, and quite honestly, I'd like to see it grow to maybe ten. Uh, but uh, this year, I think uh, St. Cloud State is the team that immediately comes to mind for me. But, you know, he makes a great argument for Denver. Uh, North Dakota is always consistently good. So is Minnesota Duluth. Western Michigan, despite a coaching change, 
maybe that's the the one thing. I just wonder how long it takes them to to really click and fire. Omaha is going to be good again this year as well. I'm sad to hear that Colorado College isn't going to be, uh, you know, isn't expected to fare better. There's something about the Tigers right now that I kind of like. New building, new uniforms lately, like in the, over the last couple of years. They've had some players go through the program. Uh, I am a fan of uh, Dominic Bassey. I'd like to see them take that next step and, and turn the corner, but maybe it's coming, uh, but just not this year. All right, we go from uh, the NCHC, and boy, uh, before we do that, Brad talking about four, probably four, maybe even five teams getting into the national tournament. I mean, it's reasonable. It's it's happened uh, often, uh, and the next conference we're going to talk about, same thing there, Hockey East. Jimmy Conley from USCHO is our tour guide. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Coach Dibbon could not resist leaving Newhook out there. Newhook will wind up out of his own zone. He went from Newfoundland to Victoria last year. Here he goes. Wide around the middle. Newhook shoots, scores! He does it again! Hi, it's Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! Continuing on with our look ahead to the upcoming NCAA season, and our next stop is in Hockey East. And, uh, of course, all our college hockey segments brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility, we'll get in contact with uh, the gang over there, including Mike Snee. Uh, I was going to say Nate Yule, but uh, he is off now to the NHL. So get in touch with Everybody at uh, College Hockey Inc. can check out their website. Lots of good information there as well. Uh, when we talk Hockey East, it's always our friend Jimmy Connolly from USCHO. Jimmy, welcome back to the program. How are things in being town? Uh, things are great, and it's nice to be back in a college hockey season. That well, I'm not going to say it feels normal, but I, I saw fans in the building for the first time this weekend. I like that. Well, and I was just talking with Brad Elliott Schlossman. He, he said they had 11,800 at the Ralph for an exhibition game. Uh, I mean, you can't get any closer to normal than that. That's an outstanding crowd. I'm not surprised with North Dakota. They, they, they like hockey. And then I don't know if it's the second thing that they really like in North Dakota. So <laughs> uh, that's a place that I, you know, I'm surprised to hear that they've never had a sold out crowd for an exhibition game before because it's so rabid out there, but it just shows that fans are really ready to come back. We had 8,400 out at UMass on Saturday for their wow. banner raising. So, uh, like I said, it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. All right, well, let's jump right into it because we got 11 teams in the, in Hockey East, uh, and I, I guess the team most people seem to have at the top is UMass. Do you agree? I'm not sure I do. Um, I think they're going to be a good team again this year. 
you know, I, I know that they began the season atop both the USCHO and uh, USA Today polls. Um, I didn't have them. I, I actually had Michigan at the top, and I think I probably had UMass somewhere around three or four. And I think that's kind of where they belong starting the season. Obviously, they, they dropped their first two games against Minnesota State at home. Um, and maybe that shows a little bit of, you know, some of the struggles that they might go through this year. I think that they have a decent core of players. They've got a good goaltender in Matt Murray, but I think where the, if you think about that team down the stretch last year, as they were winning a hockey East regular season, a hockey East postseason, and then the, the national championship, what that team was able to do was play great defense. And I think that they've lost just a few guys on the blue line that, you know, talking to some coaches that, that those really key players can be so hard to replace quickly and get guys right up to speed. So I think there might be some growing pains early this season for UMass, but I do think that they are a talented team. I probably have them in my top two, three in the league, but um, right now I still think the top team in the league is Boston College. All right, well, let's go to uh, the Eagles then and, and why you have them uh, as the top seed. Obviously they lost some, some talent, and we know that from last year's team, but it was interesting to see how Jerry York kind of recruited and I put the word recruit in in air quotes because of the fact that he really hit the transfer portal hard yeah. and got a, a bunch of older um you know 22 23 year old players that had one more year of eligibility left and brought them into this team to provide a little bit of depth in areas that he knew he had some holes particularly goal bringing in Eric Doff from Bowling Green who had been outstanding out there for the Falcons um, but, you know, just some depth players, some some older players that might be a little bit more physically mature. And, you know, when I think of BC down the stretch last year, one of their struggles, despite being a fantastic team, you know, entering the, the hockey's tournament, uh, you know, I, I, I misspoke when I said UMass won the regular season. BC won that. And they were a dominant team, you know, going into the postseason. And then they get knocked out uh, by a UMass bowl team that had finished in seventh place. But, a little bit more physical and then they got into the NCAA tournament, played the St. Cloud team that was a little bit more physical. And, you know, sometimes you get these very talented young teams, but you have a lot of players that haven't developed and they're, you know, you know, guys like Matt Boldy are going to be unbelievable NHL players. But when you're only 18, 19 years old, sometimes you don't have that, that grit and grind that you'll build through your career and they'll get, they'll get in the right weight rooms and, and add the muscle. But, you know, I think Jerry York realizes that a, he didn't want to get muscles around this season. So he brought in some, some, you know, bigger, older guys, and he didn't want to get kind of out, out leadership, if you will, guys that are, have been there, guys that have gone through it all um, a little bit more mature. And I think the maturity is going to be what carries BC through this Bringing in guys from other clubs like that, though, should we expect it might take, you know, a month for this team to come together and gel as a as a unit as if they had played together for a while? I think if, if this was the 90s when this kind of free agency didn't exist, no. Uh, yes, yes, it would be an issue um, because you didn't get to start until October 1st and, you, you know, you've got to have a few practices and you got an exhibition game in. But these guys have been on the ice together probably playing you know, a couple of times a week since July, they've had coaches at certain times on the ice for a limited number of hours all throughout late August, September. 
now they're you know by this point I feel like these these uh, players have had the exposure to the system. I don't think that the learning curve is going to be that difficult. You, you can you can kind of you know sub in some players here and there. It, you know if you did if you had a limited training camp like you used to twenty thirty years ago for sure. But these guys get more of an extended uh, camp if you will. It's more informal, but you know good teams that want to win, they get there early, they, they follow the NCAA's guidelines, but they, they definitely exploit as many hours as they can get on the ice together. And that's, I think, how these teams are able to gel a lot quicker than they might have years ago. Jimmy Conley from USCHO, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. We're looking at Hockey East, uh, Boston College, Massachusetts. Who else is at the, the higher end in the conference? I have to think that uh, Northeastern and BU will be there. Providence, you can probably throw those three. If there's going to be an upper echelon in this conference, I think those five teams, UMass, BU, BC, Northeastern, Providence, those are the five top teams in the coaches poll. And, you know, I think that that's pretty fitting because I, I do believe that um, they all have the depth. You know, Northeastern, they're f- finally going to get to have some play out of goaltender Devin Levi, yeah. you know, who obviously never got into the program early last year, had to go to World Junior Camp, got injured, never played a game. And, and, you know, that comes back as, as I guess you'd call it a redshirt freshman after last year. I don't know how we use those terms in, in college sports because guys <laughs> got to repeat years. But, uh, you, know, you know, he's finally getting in there. He got, got in against family the other night, pitched a shutout. Um, you know, so those – I think he's a player that's going to be really – you know, have a high level of impact. And it's what Northeastern um, – Jim Madigan, he's now the athletic director. Jerry Keefe is the associate head coach. He's now taking over as head coach. Those guys were waiting to see him last year. They never got the chance because of his injury. So I think now uh, he could make a real impact. I think Providence has, you know, they've got some holes because they've lost players over the last couple of seasons, maybe a little earlier than you hope. But at the same time, that that team has the grit and grind that every Nate Lehman coach team always brings. They play the heaviest, one of the heavier brands of hockey, in hockey, he's, they're just a pain to play against. And and in the last one, Boston University, I think that this is finally the year that you've got some maturity. You don't have a ton of guys that left early. Um, you've got a lot more returning players. It's kind of what we were talking about with Boston College in terms of just getting a little bit more experience. And they took advantage of the transfer portal, brought, brought a kid named Matt Brown in from UMass Bowl, who was probably the best offensive player for the Riverhawks last year. And I got to see them on Saturday night just in an exhibition game, and he was all over the ice. And I think there's some talent on that BU team that will be able to allow them to skate a little bit more, be a little bit more talented up front. I think that they are probably more reliable on defense as the older they get. That was one of their big, I thought, uh, holes last season. So I think those five teams, when you really look at it, that's the upper echelon of the league. Is there a clearly like the best goalie in the in the conference? And you, you look at uh, Spencer Knight in the last couple of years, and it's a pretty easy guy to pick there. Or what we saw at UMass. Is there you know one or two guys this year that seem to give their team maybe a a, a big edge? That's a really good question. You know, I, I I mentioned Eric Dopp, the transfer from Bowling Green, who had been a fantastic goaltender on uh, the, the old WCHA last year and for for a number of years. He has a chance to make a lot of impact on Boston College. Uh, Matt Murray back at UMass, he yep. was great, but he was not the goalie of choice 
you know, in the big games. You know, if you if you might remember last year's Frozen Four, that Philly Lindbergh was uh, had to miss the national semifinals yeah. um, due to COVID protocols. Murray stepped in, won that game, but it's not like Greg Cavill went right back to Murray when Lindbergh was available. He knew that Lindbergh was the better choice when with him in the national title game got a shutout. So, you know, it's, I, 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 it's hard to tell. I think that Levi at Northeastern is kind of an X factor in, in this, all of this because we don't know exactly how strong he is. I assume his, his injury has recovered fully. Um, he looked great, obviously, uh, in exhibition last weekend, made, a, made 29 saves. Uh, I mean, actually, that was a game that counted. I'm sorry I said an exhibition, but, you know, I think that there's some guys that can be good, but I don't know that you have the dominant goaltender in hockey East this year. I'm not going get, to get you to go through each of the rosters of the last six teams that we didn't touch on, but are there some players from those teams that you're expecting things from or some maybe some stories with coaches or something the, that we should watch for? I feel like, you know, a team that is almost an unintentionally overlooked every year, but they've been creeping up is, is Connecticut. And the longer you give a coach like Mike Cavanaugh to sit in the program and recruit and pull in some good players, and he's had some you know, early departures and stuff like that over the years. So he has some of the issues that every other team can at the top has, but I feel like he continually brings in really talented players. He knows where to look for players. He's got some sort of pipeline going right now with some good European players, especially Russia. So I, I I think that that is one of the teams that I really like to look at um, as as the overlooked team that if somebody could bump into the top four, uh, I think they have a good chance. And then UMass Lowell, you know, was talking with a coach uh, that talked to Greg Powers, the coach out, out of Arizona State. Uh, Lowell had just finished a series out there, and Greg's words to him, uh, not verbatim, but kind of in the order of, UMass Lowell is the heaviest team we I have ever had to coach against. And he's been there now, I guess, five, six years at Arizona State. And Lowell went in there and, you know, really was able to throw their weight around. You know, Arizona State was able to split the, the weekend series this past weekend. But I think Lowell is, is trying to put a different brand, a different identity. They lost a lot of guys between graduation and not able to retain those 50-year seniors that some schools were. You know, you have to be able to still fund the scholarship for a player if, if you want to get them back for that mm. that fifth year. They weren't able to do it in every case. They were only were able to bring one senior back from last year. But then they lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. And they have to kind of rebuild. And I think that Norm Zinn is really anxious to get back to that identity of you know, playing hard hockey, having a little bit of skill, but really outworking your opponent. That's that's one of the things that I think, you know, consistently um, the Riverhawks did when they were winning hockey's championships, going to NCAA tournaments. And the one last team I want to throw in there is Maine. And maybe not the most familiar name to everybody, but if you've been around the game of college hockey, Ben Barr, new head coach up there, uh, some great programs he went through, Union, Providence, UMass. Uh, he did a great job coaching at a number of different schools as an assistant coach, associate head coach. Now he's getting the chance to take the reins of a program after the tragic passing of Red Gendron last spring. So I want to see what type of mark he can make on this main program. That is a market that is hungry to win. 
you know, you go back to the days of Sean Walsh and the early days of Tim Whitehead yeah. when they were making winning national championships, making frozen pours year after year, getting to national title games. You know, that that Alphonse Arena can be the most difficult building in college hockey to play when that crowd is, is there and rabid and anxious to see the team play. You you know, you finish in eighth, ninth, tenth place for five straight years you're going to have 2,000 people in there, not the 56 or 5,800, whatever it holds. If that building can get going and that team can get going, that will be, again, one of the toughest road trips to take in Hockey East. So keep an eye on Maine. 10th in the, in the coaches poll before the season, but I still think that you just never know what, what a, a new coach can do to inject a little bit of his energy into a new program. Well, it'd be good to see Maine uh, rebound because uh, it just seems like it's been a long time since they were really relevant and in the conversation much uh, to get into the national championship. Uh, the uh, Speaking of the bracket at the end of the year, how many teams from Hockey East do you expect to be in it? Tough question. I would say, you know, the average over the last six, seven years, I believe, has been four. It has been, I think there was a year that they got six, and I think there was a year that they got two, and um, so you usually kind of count on four. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to try to pick the four that will sure. be in there. I think I can say confidently that Boston College will be there. I think I can say that UMass should be there, but you, you never know. And um, But the other two, maybe a couple of wild cards to throw in there. I you know Could one of those teams like a UConn or a UMass Lowell make that surge up the standings and, and, and get in possibly? Um, but I think, you know, for Hockey East, it was good for them to get a national championship last year. It had been some time since anybody except the NCHC <laughs> had won had won a title. So I think that that was a good feeling. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's so tight. You've got some of the best teams in the nation in Hockey East, but at the same time, you realize that there's some really good college hockey teams out there, and it's you know, it's usually who who puts together that run right at the end, like UMass did last year. It's hard to do, but uh, when you do it, it's quite special. And lastly, if there's a Hobie Baker winner that comes out of Hockey East, is there uh, an obvious pick at this point? No, <laughs> no, straight out, no. I, you know, I, it, it's tough because you think of some of the really uh, high end players that were in this league last year, the year before. A lot of them left early. Right. Um, so when you have those early departures, you lose that ability to kind of have that Hobie front runner. You know, maybe there's a goaltender. I, I keep going back to who knows what Devin Levi is going to bring in Northeastern this year. Maybe he's he's a guy that could kind of carry the water, and and we could see something from him. But no, I it just doesn't. It's not. There's nothing obvious out there at this point. Um, but that's the best part about it is you, is you get to see the you know some of these young players that will come in uh, into the league and what will they do and and how much can they have an impact and then some of these transfer players that we're seeing as well can they step into a new brand and suddenly be a little better that's one of the most <clears throat> that's the biggest X, X factor you will see not just in hockey but in college hockey this year is the impact of transfers and what they really do at the end of the day to improve programs. All right, excellent setup for the season. Jimmy, as always, I appreciate your time. I think the unpredictability is, is what's going to make it exciting this year. Is the, you know, after a very strange the last 15 months of, of hockey, probably more than that now, uh, because we didn't even have a, a national championship in 2020, 
but just the unpredictability uh, going forward. I think that makes it, there's more interest for me. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and I think that's what everybody's looking for right now. And you know, could there be a, a champion from a league that we don't think of, the new CCHA? Could there be somebody from the ECAC that jumps in? Could a Big Ten team finally win the national title? A lot of unanswered questions. Maybe it's an independent. Who knows? we got three of them now. Is this the most independents we've ever had? Oh, uh, that's a really tough question because I think back in the 90s, early 90s, when you had Illinois, Chicago, and um, a couple of other teams, there might have been three or four back then. Army operated as an independent for a long time. So I don't, I'd, I'd have to pull up some record books and history to, to get that one, but it's a lot, and it's it's, it's changing the, the landscape of college hockey. There's no doubt about that. Well, if, if uh, the Seawolves from uh, Anchorage come back next year and Alabama comes back next year, they'll, they'll be independents. If Lindenwood joins, I don't think they've got a conference right out of the gate. You could have six independents next year, and that's assuming Robert Morris gets to get back into Atlanta hockey. Yeah, and that, you know, that's there's so many unanswered questions. And there, there does seem to be, uh, you know, some momentum to continue to add some teams um, across the country. You mentioned Lindenwood. So I, I think that, you know, if, if everything goes as planned, I think we might see another full-on restructuring like we did about eight, nine years ago in college hockey. Um, it almost has to happen at that point to make room for what could be, you know, as many as 64, 65 programs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jimmy, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, and the listeners don't know, but I screwed up the time zone stuff, so you had to be really flexible, and, and uh, I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Great to chat again. It's always a pleasure, Guy. Enjoy the season. Jimmy Conley from USCHO, as always, a terrific job once again as he uh, set the table for us for the upcoming season in Hockey East. And I think I probably have to, well, I should just agree with him outright. But, you know, I look at those uh, those teams at the top, as he mentioned, in Hockey East with BC and BU, no surprise there. Uh, UMass is defending champs. I expect Northeastern's going to have a pretty good season. I think Devin Levi is... For me, I think he's the best goaltender in the uh, in the conference now, uh, and uh, I think the Providence Friars are going to be a team to watch as well. The other six, uh, I don't know, they're going to have to do something really good to uh, crack that top five, I think. But um, for me, uh, it's almost a coin flip between those five at the top. Something is telling me Northeastern, but uh, the the champs are going to be good once again. Uh, I am as a Flyers guy, I'm looking to to see what. Uh, Former first-round pick Jay O'Brien, what he does this year in his second season with the uh, Boston Terriers. He's a point-per-game guy last year, and obviously in the COVID season. So how much do we take away from uh, that situation, which was tough for everybody? But he, in that situation, he had a point per game. So, But BC is going to be good. Uh, and uh, Providence, uh, some interesting players too. Thomas Missouri who missed basically all of last year, but a valuable prospect, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers. He's a big guy, and he's put up numbers everywhere he's been. It's just he hasn't played much in the last stretch. So we'll see if he uh, finds his game with the Friars. From Brad Schlossman, who helped us with the NCHC, to Jimmy Connolly with USCHO, helping us with the Hockey East Conference. Those are obviously two guys that I've had on the show many times. Well, the next three conferences, four actually, that we're going to talk about, well, it's going to be with the help of three guys who are making their debut here on the Pipeline Show. 
Up next is going to be Anthony Trevelia from College Hockey News. He's going to talk mostly about the CCHA, but he also covers Atlantic Hockey. So we're going to kill two birds with one stone. The CCHA and the Atlantic Hockey Conferences are up next with Anthony Trevelia. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. McKechnie won it, left half towards McCarr, skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! A thing of beauty, a work of art, Kale McCarr just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Sticks and Honky Tonk is back with Canadian superstars Jade Eagleson and Jess Mosker. Don't miss all your boot stomping favorites with a rock and tailgate party and drive in concert October 9th at Western Star Trucks North in Atchison. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation. A live concert in support of local charities. Tickets are sold by the carload and start at $30 per person. Get yours at tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. Back on The Pipeline Show as we preview the NCAA this week uh, as we go through all the conferences. I think we'll get to all of the conferences. In fact, we might actually double up in this one. Uh, My guest doesn't know that yet, but (laughs) I'm going to throw it at him. Uh, Of course, The Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's the Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get in contact with them. If you're in Western Canada, you don't have to be right in Alberta where they're located. They'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. But my next guest is not up here, uh, but it's a college hockey segment. And those are brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility, College Hockey Inc., great resource. You can get in contact with them or just visit their website at collegehockeyinc.com. My guest uh, comes to us from College Hockey News, and uh, he's going to be our insider to cover the CCHA, and I might throw some Atlantic hockey questions at you as well. Anthony Trevelia, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Anthony. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. Getting excited for the college hockey season, uh, and uh, I know you are the, the guy for the uh, CCHA when it comes to college hockey news, so I definitely wanted to contact with you, Adam Woden. Pointed to you and said he's our man. Uh, so let's start with the with the conference and maybe looking at the poll. Everybody seems to have Minnesota State ranked number one, and you're no exception. Why are they clearly the the top seed? Sure, yeah, no surprise there, right? Um, program, it's you know they're coming off four straight McNaughton Cups as you know regular season champions. Of of course, that's you know back in the in the WCHA, which you know, has demanded sense and is now mostly a part of the, um, you know, the CCHA. And mm-hmm. uh, they're just, they're, they're a deep roster. Um, they returned 17 players from, from last season, including Nathan Smith, uh, Jets prospect. Uh, I, I thought he had a tremendous year last year, especially as the season went along. Uh, I think he really elevated his game in the playoffs. Um, you know, really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table this year. Um, you know, he had two goals this past weekend and their two wins, um, against UMass, uh, for assists to go with it. Um, and then obviously, you know, arguably the top dog on that team, uh, goalie Dryden McKay's back, um, coming off, you know, another outstanding season last year. Mm-hmm. 
10 shutouts last year puts him one away from Ryan Ty and Ryan Miller for the all-time uh, shutout record. So uh, a lot of firepower there in, uh, you know, at Minnesota State. Obviously a disappointing ending to their season, you know, last year. Um, but should be right back, you know, in the thick of things again. And, uh, you know, can easily see them back in the Frozen Four and, you know, ultimately the, the national championship. There are a number of teams this year who got uh, some of their last, last year's seniors back as fifth-year seniors. I know that the NCAA made that exception this year. Uh, and I'm wondering if Minnesota State's one of those teams or did they tap into the, the transfer portal a lot at all this year? I know a lot of teams that did that as well. You mentioned 17 returning players. They might not have had to go that route. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, kind of the landscape uh, across, I guess, the conference, um, you know, and college hockey as a whole, it, it's really, it's it's an even balance. And, um, you know, some teams obviously had to tap into it more. Um, but, you know, like we mentioned, 17 players, you know, returning from from last year. Um, it's, it's you know, it's a unique combination uh, for, for many teams. Um, Minnesota State, you know, their, their firepower is coming back from last year. So, um, you know, not much new blood in there, you know, as yeah. opposed to some of the other teams in the conference. Uh, all right, let's move to Bemidji State. The Beavers uh, are number two on the coaches poll. Uh, you like them, but not quite as much as uh, as the coaches poll uh, would suggest. You still have them ranked pretty high, number three in the conference. But tell me about the strengths and weaknesses of this club and, and uh, go from there. I'm a little worried about their goalie situation. Uh, Zach Driscoll appeared in 28 games for them last season. That was second most in the country. Uh, he's transferred to North Dakota since, leaving Michael Carr, Gavin Enright, and uh, Matthias Scholl on the roster. And those three entered the season with three combined games of experience. So wow. the lack of experience, you know, in net uh, concerns me a little bit. Uh, I mean, they did have that great run, you know, last year, uh, upsetting Wisconsin in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and then you know, eventually losing to to UMass in the the regional final, uh, their first NCAA tournament parents since 2010 um you know with that being said you know as much as the goalie situation does worry me uh they do return their leading goal scorer in alex irulo uh he scored for them in their exhibition game this past weekend as well as their leading goal scorer in uh, in ethan somoza so their their top you know tier offensive talent is definitely back and ultimately you know where their season goes and and what defines their season may come down to um you know what happens in that and I know your preview at College Hockey News mentions they got 18 returning players from last year. So if it was it was such an asset for Minnesota State, it's got to be the same for Bemidji, I would think, having that experience. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can't you can't buy experience, and uh, you know that that run, um, you know, upsetting Wisconsin, and and you know they gave UMass a, a tough game. Um, you know, that's something they can definitely build momentum off of, um, and you know, hopefully turn it into more success this year. Now, Michigan Tech is the number uh, three-ranked team according to the coaches' poll, but you have them number two ahead of Bemidji State. Uh, pretty, I'm guessing it's uh, you know uh, a hair between the two of them. But uh, what do you like about Michigan Tech? Yeah, uh, tough. You know, t- tough to put one ahead of the other. Um, where I think you know Michigan Michigan Tech will will really shine this year is is in net. Um, they have arguably the best goalie tandem in all of college hockey. Uh, Blake Patelier and, and Mark Sinclair are back. Uh, Patelier was outstanding last year. He finished inside the top five uh, in both goals against average and save percentage in the country. Uh, I mean, you know, if he struggles at all, Sinclair is a very capable backup behind them. So, um, you know, I think their their depth and goal and their one-two punch is, is going to kind of separate them from, you know, some of the rest of the pack and, and put them right up there with, uh, with Minnesota State. Um, they they had issues last year, you know, five on five in at center, and and they're comfortable. They addressed those issues via the transfer portal. Uh, they added Tyrone Bronte from Alabama, Huntsville, and Matthew Corsia from Boston University. Mm-hmm. So those two should you know kind of shore up the 
their issues uh, down the middle and, and ultimately result in you know some more five and five scoring. I think only one player on that roster is drafted, and that's uh, Michael Carroll on, on the back end. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the goaltenders as well. I mean, you're right. They had fantastic seasons last year. They're not that classic six foot four, six foot six kind of uh, goaltender, uh, either one of them. Why do, why, why do you think that doesn't matter as much at the collegiate level as it does at the professional level? I think you can get away with that more. You know, it, it, you see more of the athleticism at the at the college level. Obviously, the game's not as fast, so you can get away with, you know, the lack of size as long as you're quick post to post. You're you're quick with your glove. You're quick with your blockers. So, I, I think you know, athleticism really shines more. You know, not that it doesn't at the professional level, but it really shines more. Um, you know, at the collegiate level, especially for you know for these these smaller, um, you know, maybe not your prototypical NHL goalies. Right. Yeah, neither one, neither Sinclair nor Pietel are are drafted uh, because they're six foot and five eleven respectively. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Maybe they get signed as uh, as free agents. Uh, next team up in the coaches' poll is uh, Northern Michigan, the Wildcats, uh, right in the middle of the pack. Uh, tell me about them. Their issue over the last few years has been youth and you know inexperience, and and sometimes that's no fault of you know their own. But uh, this year they finally have some you know some seniors. There's ten true seniors and and five super seniors as they're calling them as as grad students. Um, you know so that inexperience over the years finally turns into experience, and they're confident that they have enough you know veteran leadership that has been through the grind and seen the up and downs. Um, you know to help them throughout the season. Um, I really like about the team this year is is goalie. Uh, Rico DiMatteo, he uh, he enrolled at Northern Michigan last year shortly after Christmas, uh, coming over from the NAHL. Um, immediately made an impact, kind of turned things around for Northern Michigan, and then you see they go on into the conference playoff, um, big upsets over Bowling Green and, and Minnesota State. So if they can get that same, uh, you know, solid goaltending from uh, DiMatteo, I mean, who knows? You know, the, the sky's the 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 limit for uh, for them this season. All right, well we'll watch for them and and uh, head coach. Uh... Uh, Coach Patolny there. I'm trying to remember. Grant Patolny, uh, not the other Patolny. But, uh, I mean, he he was a new face behind the bench last year, right? And kind of with the COVID situation stuff, it, how mm-hmm. important is it just to, to have a, you know, a normal fall uh, and get prepared for what we knock on wood is a normal season this year? Yeah, you know, the conference held their, their media day. I think it was either last week or the week before. And it was the first thing out of every coach's mouth. It was, you know, COVID and the effects it had last year and just how everyone's looking forward to, um, you know, a more normal season this year. I was, um, I, I was at Northeastern this past weekend and just, you know, the fans, you could, you could tell it was, there was excitement in the air and, and fans were back and players were feeding off it. And it's going to be a big factor, uh, you know, this year, just, you know, things hopefully being as close to normal as they can be. Um, you know, so we'll see how that translates, you know, to success on the ice. Uh, now I mentioned I'm up here in Edmonton and Joseph Nardi is a standout player for, uh, the Wildcats on that club was one of their top scorers last year, if not their top. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, as a senior this year, big things should be expected of him. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Coach Bolton, he, he addressed it uh, in media day. You know, he's looking for players like him uh, with that veteran leaders, you know, leadership to not only you know stick out on the ice and, and lead by example, but to be a voice in the locker room. And you know, as the, as the program goes through different things that they haven't seen before, that maybe some of the veterans have. Uh, you know, just be someone that they can rely on for, you know, guidance through the, that experience. So, um, you know, for that veteran core that they finally have, um, there's a lot of expectations riding on them. And uh, as we uh, are speaking with Anthony Trevalia from uh, College Hockey News, looking at the CCHA, the brand new CCHA conference uh, heading into this season, we're uh, moving down the coaches' poll and uh, Bowling Green 
Middle of the pack this year, I think, uh, where are they? Fifth on the coaches' poll, they, but they've got more than uh, just sharp uniforms. Uh, they've got some uh, interesting <laughs> players as well, don't they? For sure. Um, they're an interesting program as a whole. Uh, they've won a lot of WCHA playoff games over the last you know, 10 or so years, but they can never get over the hump uh, and get that you know, ultimate postseason tournament win and, and you know, earn them the automatic berth into the, uh, the NCAA tournament. Uh, prior to last year, they've, they've made it to at least um, the semifinals in six straight years. So, you know, getting over that final hump has been an uh, issue for them. Um, there are some concerns entering this year. You know, four of their five leading scorers from last year ended up transferring out. Uh, all four were 100-point scorers during their time at Bowling Green. So, that's, you know, it's a lot of points going out the door. Um, you know, most of them were seniors and bringing them back, you know, for various scholarship issues and, and whatnot ultimately, you know, led to those exits. But, um, you know, those are definitely some tough numbers to fill. They get Cole Norris, though, as a transfer from Ferris State uh, coming in mm-hmm. this year should be an impact guy. Absolutely, yeah. He, uh, like you said, transferred from Ferris State, uh, led the team there with eight goals and, and 17 points last year. Um, you know, numbers may seem a little low, but I don't recall off my head what the exact number was. But you know, numbers, uh, games played, numbers across college hockey were pretty low. So he was definitely, you know, an impact player for them, um, and, and should be for Bowling Green. All right, let's go to Lake Superior State. Uh, what are you expecting from the Lakers this year? They are number six in the coaches' poll, and you have them sixth as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they surprised many last year, obviously, you know, going on that playoff run. Uh, you know, they weren't a bad team in the regular season by any means, but they really didn't, you know, seem like they were going to be a threat. And uh, they just kind of caught fire at the uh, the right time, um, winning the, you know, the WN, WCHA tournament. Um, ended, ended a 25-year drought for them. Uh, first appearance in the NCAA tournament as a whole since 96. So um, they're going to win, you know, a respectable amount of games this year, and they're relying on their defensive depth for that. Um, you know, they allowed six goals this past weekend in a, in a split with Omaha, but as the season goes along, I have confidence that they're going to settle down. Uh, they have a real nice top four on their back end, uh, led by Jake Willits, um, Jakob Norquist, uh, Arvid Hendrickson, uh, Jakob Bengston. So there's definitely some experience uh, back there. Um, you know, they should be able to settle things down and, and win some hockey games. Lack of offense, though, a concern for you that if they're going to win games, they might be those low-scoring 2-1, 3-2 sort of uh, tilts? For sure, yeah. yep. I mean, they're going to have to find goals, you know, some way. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, those low-scoring games, you still need someone to step up and put the puck in the net. Uh, freshman Dawson Tritt is someone uh, I'm keeping an eye on. I uh, had much success in the BCHL and, and NAHL before, um, you know, arriving in, in Lake Superior. He had a goal himself this past weekend. So uh, that's someone I'm keeping an eye on to, you know, step up and score some big goals while the defense has a job on the back end. All right, let's go to Ferris State, uh, number seven in the coaches' poll, and you have them there as well. Head coach Bob Daniels, his record uh, last season, uh, 1-23-1. That is not a good year. Uh, Is it more of the same, I guess, uh, this year for the Bulldogs? I don't think so. Um, I mean, that one win was against a, a Division three team, so they they went winless in, in D one last year. Um, they did they did split their weekend series with Miami the, uh, this weekend uh, with an overtime win that snapped a uh, thirty three game winless streak at the D one level. Uh, their biggest issue last year, you know, was COVID, and obviously, uh, you know, COVID affected every team differently, but it really hit them hard. Uh, there was times they didn't know if they were going to be able to, you know, ice the bare minimum that they would need to, you know, practice or play games. And, uh, you know, Daniel's addressed this himself, you know, they could really never set up, 
you know, it, their power play units, their penalty kill units, because every practice it was a different set of bodies out there. So uh, it, it was a very tough and inconsistent year for them. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful that in a more normal year where, you know, hopefully COVID is not providing any issues and they can, you know, get more stability on some of those units, um, you know, there should be some more success there. All right, and uh, last and uh, maybe least, uh, this year at least, is uh, St. Thomas. Uh, the Tommies get going. Uh, I know they took it on the chin against St. Cloud uh, in exhibition this past weekend, but is there reason for optimism, or should we just be resigned to this is their first year, they're going to take a beating most nights, but they develop from here? You know, it's a little of both. Um, obviously, you know, with, with head coach Rico Blasi, the, the impressive resume he has, I, I, you know, even though they're they're making the jump to from D three to D one for the first time, you have to have confidence, you know, in what he can do as a coach. Um, you know, I, I talked to some of the players last week, and and the morale and the excitement, it's it's high. Um, and you know, they they know what's on the table. Um, you know, this year and what their expectations are and what their goals are, uh, and they're excited for that. Um, you know, they know because of the the NCA rule on. You know, making the jump from D3 to D1, that there's no NCA tournament for them for the next five years. Um, but with that being said, you know, their focus is on just improving, uh, building the foundation of the program, and ultimately, you know, getting to the conference tournament and seeing what they can do there. All right. Well, we'll see what the, what the Tommies are able to uh, to manage this season. Uh, at the end of the year with the national tournament, 16 teams get in. Uh, how many do you expect from the CCHA? Obviously, there'll be at least one, but do you think we could see two, maybe even three? I do. I, I think we'll see uh, at least two for sure. Um, I can easily see three teams getting in. And obviously, you know, depending on how the chips fall in the, in the, the postseason tournament, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, you'll see Minnesota State, Bemidji, Bowen Green, you know, maybe even Lake Superior, Michigan Tech, you know, in, in that conversation, um, just depending on how, you know, the, the, the postseason tournament goes. And I know the Hobie Baker Award for the top collegiate um, at this point, I don't know if there's a clear-cut favorite across the country, but if there is a an eventual winner that comes out of the CCHA, right now is there a candidate that you want to nominate or maybe two or three guys that you, you have your eye on? Uh, definitely. Um, so when we look at the finalists from last year, uh, only two are still in college hockey. Uh, one's goalie Jack LaFontaine, and the other one is goalie Dryden McKay. And uh, yeah. you know we talked about him a little bit earlier, uh, the runner-up to Cole Caulfield last year, and he'll be right there again. Um, you know, I, I know it's tough to peg a goalie. Uh, only two goalies have won the Hobie Baker Award in, in NCAA history, uh, Ryan Miller being the last in 2001. Um, but what he was able to do last year, and, you know, he's, he should improve on it this year. Um, you know, he's, I don't know if he's going to be my favorite across the country, but he's definitely my favorite uh, to be a finalist from inside the conference. Hey, before I let you go, Anthony, I want to ask you a little bit about Atlantic hockey. And I know they're sure. always kind of the conference that a lot of people will gloss over and look past because they they don't always uh, put forth the, you know, they get mm -hmm. one team into the national tournament. I don't have to tell you, you know. But is is this year, are there maybe two or three teams out of the conference this year that, uh, you know, can compete on a national level? Absolutely. Um, you know, they were very close to sending two teams last year. Um, you know, we, we know what AIC has done over the last few years, um, you know, kind of being the powerhouse in that conference, and they should be right there as well. Um, but, you know, when you look at teams like Army and, and Kinesis, uh, you know, they've they've really built great programs with, you know, good coaches, and uh, they're they're hungry. Um, I know Kinesis and head coach Trevor Large, they're, they were a period away from the, uh, an NCAA tournament berth last year, and um, they let that third period slip away in, in the conference uh, conference finals. So there's 
there's definitely uh, the potential for for two teams to come out of the out of the conference. Um, as a whole, the conference, the competition has gotten better and better by the year. Um, I think you're kind of seeing with the conferences non conference schedule this year um you know some of the teams there's you know there's umass there's michigan there's ohio state uh more programs are taking notice of what's being done in atlantic hockey and uh, i i think more you know people across the country are going to be uh paying more attention to to what's happening inside atlantic hockey what does the absence of robert morris at least for this year uh mean to the conference you know that that was that was talked about a lot um at media day. And I think there's a lot of disappointment, especially the way things, you know, how they went down and what's yeah. transpired since, um, you know, the, the, obviously these coaches are, are a tight knit group and they all respect each other. Um, and they respect the players as well. So, you know, to see kind of the, the rug pulled out from their, you know, their counterparts and, and their, their conference mates, um, definitely a lot of disappointment. So, you know, hopefully they can figure things out and get back on the ice soon. Cause those kids absolutely deserve it. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't the best uh, timing. Um, you know, when they pulled the, the the plug on the program, given the transfer portal. Um, but you know, we'll see what the future holds. And who's the top team in the conference, in your opinion? So, I, I it's hard to bet against AIC. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's what they've done not only in the regular season but in the postseason. Uh, but you know, I I really like what Kinesis did last year. Uh, I I really like the group that they're returning. Um, Coach Large has done an outstanding job turning that program around, and it's it's going to be tough for for AIC to pull off a fourth. So I'm I'm going to uh, I'm signing with uh, with Kinesis. Outstanding. All right, well, and can never miss a uh, a Frank Saratori press conference. Uh, for for those who've never sure. haven't witnessed a, a Frank Saratori press conference at Air Force, uh, it's well worth your time uh, checking out on uh, YouTube. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, Anthony, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. I hope you don't mind if I call you again. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for having me anytime. There's Anthony Trevelia from College Hockey News. Uh, he's uh, double-dipping as we get him to cover the CCHA, the brand-new CCHA, and a little bit at the end there for Atlantic Hockey as well. It, quite honestly, tough to argue against Minnesota State. They clearly look to be the top team in the, in the uh, conference, number one in the coaches' poll. They're number one in the nation right now on the USCHO poll. I know they were number eight on the uh, preseason poll at College Hockey News, but we know how fluid that can be as well uh, once the rankings start happening because the season's underway. And I'm glad I was able to ask him a little bit about Atlantic hockey as well. I, I've never, he's got me looking at Canisius now. I've never had a guest from Canisius uh, with the Griffins, but uh, maybe this is the year. If there's somebody from Canisius you'd like me to get on, why don't you send me a note? You can get me at TPS underscore Gee on the old Twitter machine or com with the uh, classic email. Let me know. Next up, we're headed to the Big Ten Conference and Drew Clausen from USCHO. He's going to be our guide. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Don Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Now he goes cross ice, center ice to Holloway. Drop pass between his legs, Weissbach. Three feeds Holloway, open, score! Uh-huh. <laughs> One game, fantastic play. Holloway White Fox, back to Holloway, 1-1, wow! And you're listening to Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a real dark side to it. Tell us more, bud. A world award-winning brown ale, Open Road. 
ale that will have you asking yourself why you've avoided dark beers all these years. Roasty and delicious. Play with comparable Zidane Chara. Dependable and solid and not to be looked past. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer and get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, Lottie We are back on the Pipeline Show. We've got a couple more conferences to get to in this week's NCAA Division One preview. Of course, the pro- the program is brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. But these college hockey segments, they all come to you courtesy College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain that eligibility. Well, the uh, best place to do that is with College Hockey Inc., whether it's their website or you want to contact them. Uh, Mike Snee is the guy who runs the show, and uh, they can answer and handle any of the questions that you might have. Uh, in this uh, segment, we are going to the Big Ten. Last year, the Big Ten was kind of the Big Eight, as Arizona State had honorary status for the season, but it's the Big Ten's back to the Big Seven this year, and uh, my guest to uh, set the stage is Drew Clausen from USCHO. Drew, welcome to the program. I believe it's the first time I've had you on, correct? Uh, I think it is. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to talk hockey with you tonight. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Let's get right to it. Uh, we're going to go through it uh, with the uh, preseason coaches poll. And I-, I wondered going in if it would be kind of a two-horse race with a gap to the rest of the field. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's The coaches poll is Minnesota 1 and Michigan 2, but... Uh, I would think those two teams would be pretty close and well ahead of the others. Is that fair? Yeah, it kind of seems like it's going to be a coin flip at this time. And uh, the drop-off after those two does seem like it's going to be quite a bit. Knock on wood, we still are in preseason. They might, who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, it definitely seems like those two. Okay, well, the Gophers are uh, the number one team going in, uh, according to the coaches' poll. So uh, tell me why uh, they edged Mi- Michigan, and let's just look at this roster. I mean, they got well, last year we talked about so much about the Wolverines' uh, incoming freshman class. This year it's the Gophers, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really experience with the Gophers, I think. They did lose Sampo Ranta and Scott Reedy and Brandon McManus to a transfer, but that's really it. You, they bring back Sammy Walker, who had 29 points, Blake McLaughlin, who had 28, Ben Myers, 28 also, and then Jackson Lacoma at 21, and then you look at their three forwards coming in as freshmen, and Tristan Bros, Chaz Lucius, and Matthew Kanais. It's just, it's a solid team, and then that's not even mentioning the the Mike Richter uh, mm-hmm. winner back in net for them, Jack LaFontaine. So it's just a solidly built team that, that really seems like it's going to do some damage. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of those guys are vets that you mentioned, that the incoming freshmen, should we give them uh, a month or two to kind of find their way, or is there that much talent on this team that we should expect them to hit the ground running? I think you can almost expect them to hit the ground running. It obviously depends what Motsko wants to do with them. Is he going to mix them up with a veteran on a line and distribute them or Mm -hmm. coaches before have done freshman lines who knows what he wants to do. But I think there's enough talent, obviously, where they're not going to be relied upon. But I mean, look at Matthew Kanais. He's a 6'3", 210 pound player. He kind of looks like a guy who can hit the ground running. All right. Well, we'll watch for the Gophers out of the gate and see if, uh, they click right away or not. Let's go down to the uh, Michigan Wolverines. And 
Uh, they returning pretty much everybody as well uh, of note from last year's team. I, I know every team loses some guys uh, during the offseason from one year to the next. But uh, when you look at this uh, Wolverines team, there's a lot more there than uh, that they're parting with. I mean, Cam York, obviously, and, and Strauss Mann. But other than that, I think everybody's back, aren't they? Yeah, it kind of seems like besides York and, and Mann, those are the only two key players from last year's team that they lost. But other than that, yeah, they're like guys coming back, it seems like, in writing my preview and just kind of getting ready for the season, looking at their roster, it almost seems like you find another draft pick every mm-hmm. time you look at their roster. But guys like, obviously, Thomas Bordelo, um, Kent Johnson, Maddie Veneers, Owen Power, Brendan Brisson from last year's team, and then they bring in a guy like Luke Hughes and uh, Mackie. I always struggle with the sign. Sam Oskevich, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I mean, there's so much firepower. Uh, I've seen it written somewhere else, though, that like having that you know couple of high-octane top six lines doesn't necessarily win you championships. Um, in your write-up, you've got them. Your prediction is that they are the top team in, in Big Ten this year. Do you see them going all the way? Is this a team that can win it all this year? Inclu- like, in, not just in Big Ten, but can this be a national championship team? Really a good question. And Mel Pearson has talked about that in his, his preseason press conference and stuff. He's going to have to do some ego management because, I mean, there's going to be players that would probably be a first first liner in other teams that's buried on the third or maybe the fourth line. And, and then there's going to be more attention on every game that they play because, uh, there's going to be scouts and obviously out of town media and everything. And mm-hmm. they're going to get everyone's best shot because they're the, they're the who's who of college hockey kind of right now. So, and other players opposition is going to know that there's scouts watching these games. So they're going to try and get noticed themselves, but I don't know if I pick them to be a, be a national title. I, I think this is at least a frozen four team if they get hot at the right time. But at the same time, Michigan, even in the year they made the Frozen Four a couple of years ago, they're, they've kind of been notoriously start, full starters. Mm. And I don't think they can really afford that this year because of the quality around the country. So they're going to have to come out firing. I mean, they got Lake Superior State this weekend, and then they go to a, a very good icebreaker tournament where they play Minnesota Duluth in Duluth the first game, and then no matter how things fall, they either play Providence or, or Minnesota State in the second game. Wow. So they're going to get tested early. Um, I, <laughs> my thought on Michigan is that win or not, they're going to be worth tuning into whenever you can. I've, I've covered this conference since its inception. I've kind of gotten by with watching Minnesota and Wisconsin on, on local networks around here and whatever games on Big Ten Network. And I actually went out and bought Big Ten Plus this year because I saw the Amona Michigan games that were going to be on that platform. So it's they're going to be worth watching. That's pretty much what I'll say. All right. Well, and uh, that icebreaker, uh, the field there, those four clubs, man, those are juggernaut teams at times. I mean, the Bulldogs aren't what they were the last, you know, two or three years, but they're still expected to be pretty good. Providence is is strong, and Minnesota State would be a lot of people's number one right now. And in fact, they're number one right. in the USCHO poll, so uh, no easy yep. start there for the Wolverines. Now, uh, Drew Clausen's my guest. He writes for USCHO. We're looking at the Big Ten. The number three team in the preseason poll is Wisconsin. 
how big of a gap though is it to the to the Badgers from uh, uh, the Gophers and the Wolverines? I think it's going to be a pretty big gap, and I respect the coaches, but I think Wisconsin at three is is high. I mean, you lose 159 points from your top four scores from last season. That's yeah impossible to replace. I mean, replacing Cole Caulfield by himself is impossible. But then you lose a Linus Weiss back and Dylan Holloway and a Ty Pelton Bice. I I mix. It'll be worth watching to see how they do. And uh, Tony Granado has said all the right things during his preseason availability about making sure that the players know no no one of them is going to replace Cole Caulfield. That's it's impossible. The dude scored thirty goals last year and had fifty two points. But I think it's kind of a Minnesota and Michigan are definitely tier A, the headliners of the conference, and then it's probably a pretty big drop off to the next next two or three that are fighting for third place. Well, incoming freshman there that I'm familiar with is, is Corson Kuhlman. He's a first-round pick in the NHL draft, and he played in the yep. AJHL here in, in my backyard. I don't know Daniel Latch, who you make mention of as uh, their other uh, notable incoming addition. Uh, I don't know much about him. What's expected from him this year? Um, that's another good question. It's, it's two defensemen coming in, which yeah. is obviously, I mean, how do you handle them? Do you put them in second or third pairing and pair them up with a, with a veteran and especially with the, the scores in this conference. So it'll be interesting to see how fast that those two guys are able to gain traction in the conference. And good thing for Wisconsin is they do have two goaltenders with, with uh, college experience, Cameron Rose and a, and a timeshare with Robbie Badoon last year. And then Jared Moe made the interesting Minnesota to Wisconsin transfer last off season. And, Mm-hmm. after kind of getting buried behind Jack or Jack LaFontaine. So it'll be interesting to see if Tony Granado decides to, to do a timeshare again this year or if one of those guys is able to uh, to take the reins. Well, you can't blame Mo for uh, needing to get out of Minnesota when he's uh, buried down the depth <laughs> chart like that. And when it comes to the defenseman at Wisconsin, man, if there's one position I don't worry about for Wisconsin, it's defenseman. Marco Siki's been right. – he produces uh, defensemen like they're – Always been a defenseman factory with the Badgers. Now, the number four team on the poll is Notre Dame, the Irish. You actually have them uh, predicted as finishing third. So I guess a, a pretty good dogfight this year between uh, the Badgers and the Irish. Yeah, I think so. What I like about Notre Dame is they brought in uh, Matthew Goida from uh, Cornell, who who sat out last year with the Ivy League, not not playing. But, I mean, he, 21 wins as a freshman, 16 as a sophomore, and then 23 as a junior. And Notre Dame is a team i mean who doesn't like to have a good goaltender but if you look at cal peterson and kale morris they like a solid goaltender that they can kind of write in with sharpie that's going to start every game and i think glida might be that guy for him but they need to score more i think jeff jackson will tell you that too they lost their their top scorer and alex steves from last year and they bring back the uh graham and landon slagger but other than that you guys got to put more more goals in the in the net well, we've been talking about Matt Galetta on this show for, geez, it seems like forever. I, I, he's 24 <laughs> years old. It feels like he's been around for, like, he should be 28 at this point by now. Interesting to, to see a guy to go from the ECAC to the Big Ten and, and what the difference in the, the conference structure is, is going to be like. It kind of yeah. always has that reputation, the ECAC, of, of being very defensive and goaltender friendly and, like, the, their numbers get inflated or something. I guess this will kind of put that theory to the test. Yeah, I'll put under a microscope because I go back to Michigan again. He's, he's going to get tested at least four times this year, and then you yeah. get Minnesota four times, and 
Penn State, the team we'll talk about next. They uh, they seem to like put up 70, 80 shots a game, it seems like. All right, well, let's get to uh, the Nittany Lions of Penn State. Guy Gadowski's team, Edmonton-born uh, coach, uh, who's uh, been the only guy behind the bench there since that program started. How long is that now? Almost a decade? I think right quite. around the first year of the Big Ten, so it's 2013. I think they played yeah. a, a transition year season the year before that. But, yeah, it's coming up on probably 10 years. Well, they've they've gone through the cycle kind of where they were, you know, the, the, one of the new kids on the block, then they were contenders, and where are they now in that cycle? I mean, they're ranked number five right now in the yeah. in the conference. Yeah, so it's in the conference. It's, it's also hard to predict because, you know, a good barometer is to look at, at last year's stats while they got gutted by COVID and ended up sitting out dang near a, a month and a half, I think, and only ended up playing 22 games. So a lot of their scores in last year are kind of in the, 10 point range overall and it's what's that are you a 10 point guy because you're a 10 point guy or are you a 10 point guy because you only played 22 games so they didn't bring in a ton of people they didn't lose a ton of people they've got oscar audio back for his senior year in that so it'll be interesting to see if players take the next step and progress in their careers to help the team out or if they're going to be a middling team in the conference again well, and that leaves uh, Michigan State and Ohio State in that order. Uh, I'm always expecting Michigan State to take that next step, but they, they always kind of seem to be in this position where they're behind three or four teams. Uh, I don't know if that's fair to say, but why can't they seem to take that next step? Yeah, that's kind of you and me both on that. I actually looked up their finishes under under Danton Cole today, and it's 7th, 7th, 6th, and 7th. So hmm. they've kind of been in this position, and... I mean, Danton, every time I've talked to him, great guy, seems like a good person, but at what point are we going to take this next step in the program? So they do bring back two players that I think will help them this year, and Mitchell Lewandowski and Drew DeRitter and that, who DeRitter, for how not great they were last year, he had a 7-15 and two record. He did post a 2.76 goal against average, so he had a decently solid year in that. And then they did bring in a, a Northern Michigan transfer in Griffin Lauren, who two years ago for in the WCHA had a 39-point season. So maybe he can help kind of ignite the the goal scoring for the Spartans. But the same thing as Glida, is that going to transfer from the, what was the WCHA to the Big Ten, or is he going to struggle in a new league? But I'd, I would love to predict the Spartans to, to jump up, but... I I kind of feel like their ceiling might be a fifth place finish, maybe fighting for fourth, but I think they're kind of accurately predicted to to stay where they are for another season. Well, they do get Mitch Lewandowski back and and Josh Nudler as well, who I believe two of their top three scorers. Uh, Susanna gone? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, but they weren't, they certainly were not uh, a super offensive team last year. I mean, Lewandowski right. with 13 points in 27 games was their leading scorer. That's that's not great. Yeah. They got to produce more offense, but I don't know how you you do it unless you're be, being able to recruit those high end offensive players. And I I'll be honest, the two players that you you make note of as joining them from the USHL this year, I don't know them. Jesse Tucker, Tanner Kelly, I I don't know what to expect from those guys. Yeah, it's something they're not not draft picks. They put up decent points in the USHL, but that doesn't always translate to, mm-hmm. to points in college. So it's kind of the great unknown with them again. All right. Well, it doesn't sound great for Michigan State, but 
Ohio State is ranked behind them. So if it's not great for right. the uh, the Spartans, how bad is it going to be for the Buckeyes? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> Uh, they also kind of didn't really lose anyone, didn't bring in a ton of people, but you also had a, a not great year last year. So it's kind of like you're depending on those guys taking the next step. And they did lose uh, their goaltender too. So now they're relying on two freshmen and Ryan Stoughton, who started, I think, or played in 10 games over his first two seasons. So Steve Rollock kind of likes to say that he, preaches the game from the goaltender out and that could be tough when you have an experience at the goaltender position so they're looking for everyone to improve they could really use a nice bounce back year from Gustav Westland who had a a solid freshman year and looks like he was building into his sophomore year but his junior last year was disappointing I think so was that due to COVID, due to all the weirdness of last year. Can he bounce back from that? That could help out. And they got guys like Tate Singleton and uh, um, a couple other guys who uh, have thought, have had solid years, but they're still going to need to take that next step to be a mid-20s point scorer instead of a high teens. Well, I think there, if there's one thing that I was looking at in your write-up uh, uh, previewing the season in the Big Ten, kind of indicates the the gap between those top two clubs and the rest of the field in the conference, the preseason, all big 10 hockey teams, the first team and the second team, almost all Wolverines are Badgers. I think there's only, or excuse me, Wolverines or, or Gophers, different rodent. Um, 10 of 12. Yep. Yeah. 10 of 12. I mean, that, that just <laughs> seems to tell me right there though. Um, very telling. Yeah. Very telling. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so at the end of the year, I mean, there's 16 teams that end up getting into the national tournament you know, I've gone through almost all the conferences, and it seems like Hockey East and, and the NCHC, they're expecting four or five just from those two conferences right. alone. Sh- should we only expect maybe it's it's uh, Minnesota and, and uh, Michigan this year, or can somebody else sneak in as well? Can that third-place team get in too? I think two is the betting favorite at this point, and for, for a third, I think it might have to be through, through winning the automatic bid and upsetting Michigan and Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, they had four last year. I think four was kind of surprised. I think Michigan kind of surprised people when they got in on Selection Sunday, and, and sadly, they didn't even get to play in the tournament because of COVID along with Michigan. So yeah. I think two is, is solid and a good good pick. All right, and we'll finish it off with uh, if there's a Hobie winner that comes out of this conference, I, I guess you could probably throw a dart at those two rosters with the Gophers and the, and the Wolverines, but is there a guy that's kind of leading the the preseason vote in that department right now? <laughs> yeah, like you said, throw a dart, especially in Michigan, throwing a dart is, is a good idea. But uh, I kind of like Bordello, um, just because he plays forward. Owen Power might be the more more skilled player, but defenseman winning a Holby, it, it's harder than a forward winning. And when it, when it comes to the Gophers, I feel like they're a little more spread out where they might not have the guy that's going to mm-hmm. post the gaudy numbers that, that gets all the attention. Um, I'm sure they'll have a couple finalists. I'm sure both teams might have a couple finalists, but yeah, I'd go with Thomas Bordalo if I had, if I had to pick one right now, which it's October, so I'm definitely wrong. It works for me. There's probably seven or eight guys <laughs> he could have named, and I would have said the same thing. But uh, Drew, I feel like I'm ready for the season now. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, and I hope you don't mind if I call you again when it's uh, time to talk Big Ten. No, anytime. Appreciate you having me on. I hope everyone's doing doing good out there, and uh, anytime spend talking hockey is. It's a good time by me, so thanks a lot. 
It's the Golden Gophers and the Wolverines at the top and uh, everybody else after that. That was Drew Clausen from USCHO making his first appearance here on the Pipeline Show. Great job, Drew. And I agree with him. It's it to me it's those two clubs and then everybody else are separated and probably from a good distance. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it is only those two teams that make it into the national tournament. You know, if we see five from NCHC and five from Hockey East, that leaves six for the other four conferences. You know, I don't I don't know if Hockey East and uh, the NCHC can both have five. That'll be a story uh, worth watching as the season goes on. All right, we have done the NCHC. We have done Hockey East. We have done CCHA and the Atlantic Conference. And now we've done the Big Ten. That leaves just the ECAC and three independents, which unfortunately we're not going to preview this year. But for the ECAC, we call on Josh Sagan, who writes for College Hockey News. He closes out the show this week next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Fins will start a lead pass, finds Farinacci, in a low third, Farinacci scores! John Farinacci catches the Fins on a change, and the United States retakes the lead. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With the cheap guitar and your big long hair. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Tell me his name again. With Guy Flaming. Who? Final segment to go on this week's episode as we preview the upcoming Division I NCAA hockey schedule here on the Pipeline Show. Program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's the best beef jerky in Alberta. But all our college hockey segments uh, specifically are brought to you by College Hockey Inc. Our friends over there, if you're a, a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource uh, for that. You can get in contact with Mike Snee or just send any of the folks over there uh, an email or a look at their website. Great resource uh, to answer some of your questions. As we uh, focus in on the final conference to get to this week, it's the ECAC. And uh, we're going to do that with the help of uh, Josh Shagan, who writes for College Hockey News, not College Hockey Inc., but College Hockey News. Uh, Josh, welcome to the program. How are things? Uh, very well. Uh, I mean, the fall is the best season of the year. Hockey's starting. Uh, always a good time of the year. And everybody's on a level playing field. Everybody believes they can win the national championship. Well, maybe not. Uh, not everyone. <laughs> we'll get to. Well, you got one of the biggest conferences to, to follow. Uh, 12 teams yeah. in the ECAC. And I think the, the big story going into it this year is just 
there were a lot of teams in this conference didn't play at all last year. So uh, predicting what to expect this year, I think, is an extra challenge coming into this season. Fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, last year, obviously, you know, eight of the 12 teams didn't play. Uh, only four teams played. St. Lawrence kind of won a, a kind of a shocking, uh, you know, ECAC title last year and then wasn't able to play in the in the NCAA tournament because of a positive COVID test. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it, it just it was an interesting year, weird year without everybody playing. But now this year we get, we left with all the questions that how long is it going to take these teams that didn't play last year to, to kind of get into their games? You know, what are the fitness levels going to be like? It's going to be, it's definitely going to be a very interesting uh, first few weeks of the season. That's for sure. Well, I would have to think fitness levels. Um, I mean, these are all young guys. They're, they're athletes. They should be in good shape. That shouldn't be a problem. But timing and things, chemistry on the ice, that's the kind of stuff I'd be concerned with. Do you think it's fair to maybe give them a month, month and a half before they are in the normal, you know, November conditioning that we expect to see? Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, you know, the Ivies also start two two weeks later than everybody else. So yeah. that adds another uh, thing to six of the teams that didn't play last year. So, yeah, I think a month would be fair. It seems like none of the coaches really know what to expect. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch that don't even know, you know, who's going to be good, you know, how to what's going to ha- you know, what's going to happen in that first month. So it would just be interesting to see uh, what happens in the, in the next couple in month or so. All right, well, let's go through it with the uh, coaches poll. And you mentioned the coaches. Let's uh, use what they predicted for the season uh, as our guide. And the uh, the what was I found interesting about the coaches poll in the ECAC is that there were five programs that received a first place vote amongst coaches. So maybe some parity uh, is that the word? Maybe to start the season? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely some parity at the top. Uh, I mean, you're always going to see the you know, the top three or four programs always be there like Cornell and Harvard and uh, Quinnipiac and Clarkson. Those teams always seem to be a step above the rest. And uh, yeah. And then there's some others this year, like obviously St. Lawrence was the champion last year. So uh, they got a first place vote from the, one of the coaches as well. And, you know, there's definitely a haves and haves not this year um, in the ECAC, which will make for a very interesting uh, year as well. All right, well, let's start with uh, the team that uh, did finish first in the poll, and that is uh, Quinnipiac. Uh, I look, there's a lot of addition, or excuse me, a lot of losses for this team from last year. Odin Tufto was such yeah. a scoring dynamo. Peter Deliberatore on the back end. And Inet Keita Petrozelli. Those are big holes to fill. How are they doing it? Yeah, I mean, but but the thing with uh, Quinnipiac is they were very deep last year, and they're going to be even deeper this year. They've had some... You know, they had uh, Dylan St. Cyr transfer in from Notre Dame, uh, goaltender there. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys like Oliver Chow, who won a national title last year at UMass. Yeah. Uh, a couple other guys that transferred in. And obviously they had Ty Smolanek, who's you know going to be a sophomore uh, third round pick uh, from Florida in 2020. He'll be a sophomore this year. Expecting big things for him. He scored a, uh, 14 goals in his uh, freshman campaign last year. Uh, he was a good little player uh, for them. Um, and you got to expect, you know, obviously why, why Bon Giovanni was injured for a while last year as well. Uh, they, they're just deep. They're especially up front. They're very deep. They have some guys who can fill the net. Um, and then they also picked up a bunch of transfers on the back end as well. I mean, they had a Brendan Lefts who played a ton of games at Dartmouth for a while. Um, Zach Metz uh, has been with the program for four years. He turned into a pretty good player last year. 
And then, you know, there's also the player I've always liked who played for Brown, um, Tony Stilwell, who can you know, look a little bit of an undersized uh, defenseman, but he could definitely move with the puck and definitely gives them a little bit of a dimension they haven't had in a couple of years. Next, uh, next club on the list is uh, Clarkson, uh, Casey Jones's team. Uh, they've got a ret- lot of returning players again, but they lose Josh Dunn, who is a big part of that program. I like uh, incoming freshman Ayrton Martino, though a highly skilled offensive guy. Might be just what the, uh, an offensive team in the ECAC uh, is looking for. Uh, are you expecting Clarkson to be right at the top and, and maybe in that uh, that hunt? Yeah, in the media poll, I had them actually first. I just think, I mean, you look at the depth. Like I said, it's the haves and have-nots this year. I mean, Casey's returning everybody. I mean, Zach Stekos is re- uh, returning. He had a very good season last year. Um, he scored, you know, he had, you know, he scored a ton of points in his career. Um, he was, you know, player of the year candidate last year in the ECAC. Um, you know, they, Jack Jacome is coming back for a fifth year. He's been, he's, you know, a little undersized, but, you know, nice little skater there. Good little talent. Um, and, you know, they've had, they picked up, you know, a couple of transfers as well. Uh, Lucas, Lucas Cable from, you know, Lake Superior State played like a, a four years there on defense. So they, they picked up that. But their thing is they're always struggle a little bit moving the puck from the back end. But they, you know, they, they score a lot of goals because, mainly because they have the depth this year. Like, they're going to be able to run four or five lines uh, throughout the year. So, you know, some guys are going to – Casey's going to have a little bit of a juggling job there to, mm-hmm. to keep some guys happy. And uh, you can never complain about depth, though, um, in the college game. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And Ed, you know, to Martino, a little talented player there you mentioned. Uh, he'll be a good addition there. Um, obviously, Alex Campbell as well, 2019 third-rounder um, by Nashville uh, also there. So, yeah, there's a ton of talent there. And obviously, they're returning a – sophomore goalie who played pretty much every game last year uh ethan Hader, who actually looked very good so yeah it should be an interesting year for uh for clarkson that's for sure yeah it should be a fun team to watch one of the more offensive mining clubs uh, in the conference uh next we yeah, got i don't know if you'll ever see a more experienced team in college hockey yeah uh, next up we've got harvard uh they're the crimson but this year we might call them the steel as they've got a trio of incoming chicago steel alum uh in matt coronado and sean farrell who are you know, really offensive players coming off a strong seasons. Um, the Harvard though, or the Harvard, the Crimson lost Jack Drury early as uh, I think he saw the writing on the wall that the team wasn't going to play last year, went to Sweden, had a great season as a, a, a first year pro, but not in the picture now. So they've got some holes, but it looks like they're filling them with some talented youth. Yeah. I mean, you look at Harvard and you, you look at a team that, you know, down the road could definitely compete for a national title and, you know, if not this year, next year, I mean, they're young. They got, you know, guys like Casey Dornback, who's coming back, uh, Nick Abruzzese, another Chicago Steel guy. Yeah. Uh, fourth rounder in Toronto a bunch of years ago. He scored a, quite a few points a few years ago. I had one of the best freshman campaigns I, I can remember at Harvard. Um, he had 44 points that year uh, in 31 games. So uh, John Farinacci as well. Um, Henry Thun on the back end. Um, you know, they had Alex uh, Laff. Alex Laferriere, um, as well last year, one of the, you know, one of the players that didn't even play last year, but he was a third rounder from the Kings. Um, and obviously you mentioned Matthew Coronado, a first round pick 13th overall, uh, by Calgary. I, I mean, you're looking at a team that's uh, highly, highly talented and definitely have, has a chance to fill the net and, 
you know, uh, make some noise. But again, uh, there's one of those teams that, you know, didn't play last year. So you really don't know what to expect until you see them on the ice. They have the chemistry. Um, and yeah, they're, they're going to be fun to watch. But then again, Teddy's teams are always fun to watch. It's just a matter of whether that talent comes together to actually, you know, pick up trophies and uh, win a bunch of games. Mm. Josh Tagan from College Hockey News, my guest here on the Pipeline Show uh, to preview the upcoming season in the ECAC. Uh, the uh, Big Red from Cornell are fourth on the coaches poll, uh, which I found interesting, Matt, losing Matt Galaita, uh to the transfer portal. And uh, Morgan Barron, obviously not with the team anymore. Those are a couple of big pieces. And, and again, a team who didn't play last year. I was surprised to see them ranked this high, but tell me why they deserve to be. I mean, it's Cornell. <laughs> Plain and simple. They're Cornell. They're always going to be there. Uh, Schaefer, Mike Schaefer does a great job, um, you know, filling holes. And, you know, it seems like every three or four years, I wrote it this way in my preview as well, every four years we question whether, you know, uh, Cornell will have, the goaltending to back it up and, you know, but every, every four years we all get, get proven wrong because Cornell rolls out another goalie who can have a 0.93 save, 930 save percentage. And, uh, you know, a guy that you know picks it up, it just, their system is just so strong that Cornell is always going to be there. I mean, there's some talent coming back. I mean, you have Brendan Locke who's coming back for a fifth year. Um, you know, Matt Steinberg's a junior. I thought he was pretty good a couple of few years ago. Uh, Max Andreev, um, and then Kyle Betts as well is coming back for a fifth year. So, you know, there's, there's always going to be that talent there at Cornell. I do think that Harvard's a little bit better prepared to, you know, kind of pick it up right where they left off. But we'll see what Cornell was. They, they were probably the biggest uh, loser out of the last two years because they would have been set up for a national title uh, two years ago and then last year as well. And then, you know, some of that talent graduated. So, it's unfortunate that might that window might have closed, but we'll see how the goaltending situation uh, holds up. But like I said, every four years we ask the same question three or four years, and every you know, and then they turn out and they have the best goalie in the in the conference. So yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Who is the starting goaltender though? I, do any of the three guys that they have in camp have they even played a game at the collegiate level? Uh, no, none of them have even played a game at the collegiate level. So. Um, it will just totally be interesting to see who they roll out. I mean, he even said it during his call, uh, during the media call last week that he has three guys that are working very hard and, you know, three guys that could get the nod next week in, <laughs> or in a couple of weeks. And he, uh, yeah. And he, he said, you know, like I said, every three years we have this question mark with Cornell and every three years, you know, it gets proven wrong. So he has two freshmen and a senior. So, yeah, we'll see who wins the job. He didn't seem, uh, Mike Schaefer didn't seem to have an answer last week. So, yeah, we'll see what happens on uh, their opening night, which will be in a couple weeks. All right, St. Lawrence is the fifth team and the final one that received a first-place vote. Is that simply, do you think, because they did get into the uh, the national tournament? Uh, although, as you pointed out, they couldn't actually play, but uh, they earned that spot. Uh, is that why they get the, the single vote? Because I, I, don't, I don't look at this team and see them competing with the four teams ahead of them. No, I mean, yeah, they're definitely probably a step behind. Um, I actually had them six in my poll. Um, I mean, they do they do come back with a very good goaltender and Emil Zetterquist, who had you know kind of a coming out party last year. I thought he was really good. He had a mid the nine twenty save percentage last year. Uh, you know, it was much higher than that in many of the uh, many of the games. I mean, you know, he he saw a lot of rubber. He saw over thirty shots a game, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's a very good goaltender. So we'll see. But yeah, they have some good talent up front returning though. Um, they had you know Caden Pickering little. Uh, 
spark plug there up front, Cameron Buell. Um, you know, some good, some pretty good players. And obviously they now come into the year with that confidence, right? Uh, that's a big thing for a team that kind of, you know, kind of plugged along over the last few years, uh, recovering from the Mark Morris uh, era that, that would happen, you know, that finished three years ago and then Bre- Brecky took over. Brecky's done a, ga- a great job building him up. And, you know, that they should be consistently back in the top half. I, I think one guy I really liked too last year in the turn, the ECAC tournament was uh, Tucker McIntosh. I thought he was a really good little defenseman for them. Um, but yeah, there are, there is a little talent and obviously you had the uh, confidence. So I, I don't think it, you know, maybe not the first place vote, but definitely the next, uh, next tier of teams. Okay. And I'm wondering if Colgate is right there then as well. They are number six on the poll. Uh, and I, I wanted to ask you about them a little bit because they got a couple of, uh, pretty high profile players from our neck of the woods up here. And Alex Young, who was a, a freshman last year and led the team in scoring. I mean, it was only 13 points in 21 games, yeah. but Still the team's uh, highest scorer. And Carter Guylander in net, who's from uh, my neck of the woods here in the Edmonton area. So there's some local interest in following the Raiders. Can they be better than sixth, in your opinion? I think they can. I mean, like you said, you talked about Alex Young. I think he's he's quite the little talent there. Um, I had a chance to talk to him last year. What a good family, him and with, with him and his brother Colton, who are also on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colton's actually got the first player of the week in the ECAC last week. Uh um, but yeah, no, Alex is definitely quite the talent. I, I think I pegged him this year as a player to watch. I, I thought he was definitely better than his 13 points. Shifty little player, sees the ice well. Um, and obviously, you know, he's usually on a line with his brother, uh, Colton, another good little player, you know, they're, they're kind of like the, the spark plugs of that team. And then, and then, you know, again, you have a couple grad students, fifth year guys that like Josh McKechnie, who's, who's the captain been uh you know he's been a pretty good offensive little player for him you know i know vashon uh you talked about kylander i thought he was if anything he may have been the most underrated of the four goalies last year i i thought he was very good he kind of filled a need for them um you know that they've kind of struggled with the, the last you know probably half decade or so but mm-hmm. yeah i think i think those kind of you know they have they have a little talent there they're starting to build up again i like i said i had him fourth in my poll i think there is a chance that they could, you know, finish in the top four, compete for home ice, and uh, yeah. And Don Vaughn has experience. Uh, obviously, he's one of the more he's probably the, he is the most experienced coach in the ECAC. So, yeah, I mean, there is a little talent there, and definitely a chance to, you know, kind of challenge maybe in a tier above normally uh, where they normal normally are. And they've got an Anthony Stark on the back end. If you've got Tony Stark playing for you, Iron Man. Um, you, you gotta give those guys a fighting chance, man. I bet you he gets talked. He probably doesn't hear the end of those Iron Man jokes. Yeah, probably not. Uh, all right. The, the, uh, seven through 12, it goes Dartmouth, RPI, Union, Yale, Princeton, and Brown of those teams. Is there, is there a dark horse? Can any of those teams kind of squeak into the upper half uh, of the conference? Or are there some particular players uh, in particular that you're, that you're looking for big things from? I mean, RPI is another one of those teams. I, I think maybe if you look at those those uh, bunch of teams, I think RPI has a chance to probably finish, be kind of in that middle tier of the conference. I just because I just think they have a little bit of depth. Uh, they have some good they have some good players like Ter Linden, um, amongst some others. Again, though, another team with some a little bit of a goaltending issue. Uh, obviously, their best goaltender went away a couple. You know, once the pandemic hit and. Uh, yeah, so I think they could. There's definitely some. Uh, I actually did a story on them. They 
one of those teams that didn't play last year, so we really don't know what to expect. They had really uh, come on late in 2020 and you know had a big run, could have probably given Cornell, probably was the only team in the conference to give Cornell a run uh, in that tournament, but you know obviously those are parentheticals, right? Um, but yeah, no, I think RPI could. Dartmouth has a new coach this year. Um, and Reed Cashman, uh, be interesting to see what he's able to do. Took over for, you know, ECAC legend, really, uh, Bob Goddat. Goddat was there for, you know, quarter a quarter century. Um, yeah, and then I, I just think there's some teams out down there. Like I said, there's some uh, haves and have-nots. Uh, Yale has 24 players, 13 forwards. You know, they could really struggle this year just with depth, uh, you know, they might be nights that they won't even be able to run, you know, four lines out there uh, in a starting lineup or, you know, and then Union, you know, they won a national. It's funny, those two teams, Yale and Union, won national titles in the mid-2010s. And both those teams could probably finish 11th, 12th. And they, they're both struggling with, you know, picking up the recruiting and benefiting from uh, those national titles uh, now a half decade ago, almost a decade ago. So, yeah, there's definitely some teams down there that could make a run, but like I said, there's a, there's also a few that you know that could be in for some uh, tough times this year. Those teams that are really short on players is that just because they didn't play last year? There was maybe some uncertainty about this year, so recruiting guys to come and play there when you're not necessarily 100% sure you're going to be able to play that's got to be a huge hurdle. Yeah, that's definitely a huge hurdle. It didn't affect a team like Harvard or Cornell, it seemed, but it seemed like Yale might have been the most hurt by that. Um, it just, it just seemed made, you know, they had a few kids transfer out. Dana Ivany uh, transferred out. Uh, obviously, Curtis Hall went to the NHL. He would have been a senior this year. Uh, so those are guys that, you know, they, they, they need certainty in their careers. And, yeah, you know, had brought in a, a little bit of talent over the years, and then all of a sudden for, you know, the year off kind of, you know, dried up the well a little bit, it seemed. Um, and then Union, yeah, they, I mean, they have, they you know, they're not as low on depth, but – yeah, there's there's still a, you know a little struggle of uh, talent there. Um, one could say, and you know it'll be interesting to see Princeton Brown in the same boat as probably Union is. Um, so yeah, definitely could be an interesting year with with some uh, depth issues and and seeing you know who's who might break out in that group. Now, when it comes to the national tournament at the end of the year, Josh, uh, if I set the over under at uh, 2.5 teams out of the ECAC make the bracket. Uh, would that be fair? Would you take the over or the under? Um, I would probably take the under this year. I do, like I said, I do think maybe, maybe, maybe I should take the over. Maybe I should take the over, but I, I do think you know Harvard will probably be there. Okay, we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, the year off, there's a lot of uncertainties there, but um, you know, Clarkson, Quinnipiac, and Harvard would be the three teams that I'd I'd peg to be there, but. As I said, Colgate and Cornell, maybe they can challenge for one of those spots too. So maybe maybe I was a little selling the ECAC short. Maybe it's probably over under three, <laughs> uh, three and a half. So Somebody wins the conference playoffs and gets the auto bid, then it throws everything out of whack, right? Yeah, I mean, last year, right, two to, two, two, one bid went to St. Lawrence. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, you know, every every few years, I mean, there seems to be a surprise winner in the ECAC. Uh, you, know, you had Princeton a few years back. Um, obviously St. Lawrence last year and, you know, a, a truncated season to say the least, uh, one with just four teams, but yeah, there always seems to be a team that can, that can steal a bid. Um, and it all depends, you know, there's some good goaltending in the league too. So there, there always is. 
and some very good coaches. So there's always a chance that extra team makes it in. Last question for you. If, if the eventual Hobie Baker, uh, a winner for top collegiate player this year, happens to come from the ECAC conference, is there a guy that immediately comes to mind at this point? I mean, it's it's still the preseason, but is there a name that jumps ahead right now? Uh, you probably would have to think of, you know, one of the Harvard guys like Dornbach or, or Abrazese. It has to be one of the, I don't even know how to say his name. Sorry. Uh, probably just, yeah, Abrazese. Um, yeah, so it'll probably be one of those guys uh, that come to mind. But, you know, Zach Seacoast, he's a fifth-year senior at Clarkson as well. I mean, he had a really good campaign last year, and obviously with just four teams, but he's a good little player that could that could sneak his nose in that, in that uh, top ten and maybe hat trick. Terrific. Well, you set the stage nicely, and uh, we're going to be watching from afar. The ECAC could be a fun league or a fun conference to watch this year. Josh, I really appreciate your stuff. When does your actual preview hit the hit screens at College Hockey News? Uh, probably the end of this week, uh, early next week. ECAC is always the last one because, yeah. as I said, the Ivies start a little later. So Makes sense. Thanks for this, Josh. I hope I can call you again. Yeah, no, absolutely. Have a good day. That's Josh Sagan from College Hockey News, or Josh Sagan from College Hockey News. Now we are set for the ECAC conference as the regular season. Well, it gets going a little bit later in the ECAC because the, the Ivies don't start until much later than everybody else. But after hearing that conversation, and I do think kind of like the, the Big Ten where you've got a, a vanguard of programs at the top and then everybody else is well back, a similar situation here in ECAC as we see sort of the familiars or the, the usual suspects, if you will, at the top for ECAC. That would be Clarkson and Cornell and Harvard and Quinnipiac as, and uh, and St. Lawrence uh, hanging in there as well. I am interested in Colgate for the reasons that you heard me mention uh, during the actual interview. But, hey, don't look now, but the season preview for Division One hockey here on the Pipeline Show is in the books. That is all six conferences covered. We The only teams we didn't talk about, we're the independents, Alaska, Arizona State, and Long Island. I think, I'll just say, Alaska's going to struggle, Long Island's going to struggle, Arizona State's going to be good, might even make it back into the national tournament at the end of the year. How's that? Okay, it's cleanup time here on the Pipeline Show for the week, and that means, you know, I'm going to ask you about a bidet again, and I do it every week. Since we got our bidet, it's been over a year now. There's no going back. You'll never not want to have a bidet uh, once you've gotten yours and, and have it installed and, and you're using it all the time, it's so much better. It, it's better for you. It's better for the environment. Stop wiping and start washing your butt. Honestly, nobody wants to talk about what happens in the bathroom, but get a bidet. You'll understand once you've got one. HelloToshi.com slash pipeline is where you go to get yours. An extra 10% off just for using that URL. Fellas, you, the, the lady in your life is going to love you for it. Ladies. The gentleman in your life might not even know what he wants half the time, but he's going to really be happy that you got him a bidet. Again, hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Thanks to all five of the guests that you heard on the program this past week. And next week, you know what? We're kind of back into the normal swing now after a month long of WHL team-by-team previews. And uh, last week we did the USHL and the, and the NAHL, the OHL, the Q as well as the Alberta Junior Hockey League. This week, it was all NCAA Division One. Next week, we kind of get back into the regular flow. We'll start talking to draft-eligible players. We'll talk to coaches and, and media guys covering the leagues as they get going. We're not going to focus on one league in particular. Uh, we're going to go around and get the stories that are happening and the, which teams are 
you know, where the stories are, whether it's because a player or a team is on fire or the opposite, if they're struggling, uh, whatever is newsworthy out there. If there's subjects you'd like me to talk about or a guest that you'd like me to get on, at TPS underscore Guy is how you would get a hold of me. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron. I know with all the previews, there's uh, an influx of, of people who uh, want to jump on and uh, get early access to hear all the interviews uh, before they're available to the general public, which is the biggest reason uh, people jump on board to be a patron. You do that at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. A couple of bucks a month is uh, the entry level, and that will give you early access to, to every interview that you hear here on a full episode of the pipeline show they're all individually done and uh, available to patrons two three sometimes four days before a full episode is released so check that out at patreon.com slash the pipeline show it's going to be a busy weekend let's get to it if you are able go out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it next week right here on the pipeline show until then everybody my name's Guy flaming this has been the pipeline show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. See ya.